Triple M rocks the NRL 24-7 through the Triple M app. Thanks to Ream. Steady, hot and strong. Install a Ream. Let's get underway. Saturdays were made for this. The biggest names and the biggest games are right here. Triple M rocks the Thanks to our mates at King G. Welcome to the Triple M Saturday Scrub. Yeah, nice to be with you on a Saturday afternoon full of rugby league action. We're coming to you live from Combest, uh, Combank West Stadium. Uh, where <laughs> Combank Stadium, I should say, not West anymore. Uh, we're <laughs> Parramatta, of course. We'll take on the Bulldogs 3 o'clock this afternoon. A, a great rivalry over the years. We'll get into some of that action a little bit later on the show. Uh, the NRLW is also featuring just ahead of that game, the Eels taking on the Roosters. So uh, plenty ahead. Ryan Girdler is with me, Nathan Brown and Dave Rico. Gentlemen, how are we? Hey, Tone. Hi, everyone. Hey, Tone. Now, uh, Nathan Brown, you've been the gig. You've had a gig right here at the Eels for a little while. Just talk us through that. Uh, I've just been doing a review of their pathways, yeah, to write a report and see if we can come up with some suggestions that can help them maybe improve a touch. Yeah, so it's uh, been interesting. It's been good fun and it's good to see how other clubs do things because there's many ways you can do things. Is it work, some work to be done here at Parramatta as far as developing those pathways, Brownie? Oh, look, I think the the key thing with the review was, Dave, was to see how they can get better at what they're doing, improve in some areas. Um, obviously, Parramatta's got a big junior base and it's something that they've uh, uh, obviously um, been well known for over the years. And uh, one of the things in the game today compared to 20 years ago, there's a, the recruitment game's a lot harder for clubs, I believe, and clubs like Parramatta with big junior areas and... Uh, Obviously, there's a lot more managers, a lot of clubs nearby, so there's a lot, lot more challenges. So it's probably more difficult than in the past. But hopefully, uh, from the point of view, hopefully they get something out of the view which may help them mm. produce one or two more flows. You'd imagine, Brownie, that it'd be similar sort of to the St George Illawarra Dragons, wouldn't you? I mean, with, with great sort of nurse rugby league nurseries there, there'd be some similarities? Yeah, definitely in the... You know, I didn't really go delve into the, how many juniors they got playing. I know it's a big junior league, but probably the biggest one of the biggest challenges... And a bit of a difference is, Gerds, is if you've got um, kids down at Wollongong, for example, to, to travel up and play for the Bulldogs or play for West Tigers, it's a fair hike for a parent where if a kid's playing in the Parramatta Junior Comp, to go and play for the Bulldogs or West Tigers or Penrith, mm. it's similar to travelling to Parramatta to play. There's not much difference in the travel. So that's uh, that one there sort of makes, you know, they can have a sort of like a carcass here and all the animals want to eat it a bit, you know. So the, <laughs> it's, it, can be, it can be quite a challenge for a club to do yeah. that. Where if you look at clubs like like, uh, say, the Roosters in Melbourne, they don't have many of their own juniors. So they actually go out and actively recruit really, really well and target really good players and develop really good players where Parramatta's mm-hmm. got to try and retain and fight all these challenges yeah. off. It's, it's certainly challenging at times. Mm-hmm. Speaking of challenging, it was uh, exactly that for the Broncos last night. The Storm, uh, listen to this score, 60 that's 6-0, the Broncos 12. Just an amazing game and amazing perform- performance from the Storm. Uh, and the Broncos, we'll get to what that means for them very shortly. Uh, in other games, the Cowboys uh, beat the Warriors 48 points to 4. Uh, as I said, we'll get to that game very shortly. Dave Riccio, anything coming out of that, though, in terms of uh, the, past, the past three games, in terms of injury or reports? Yeah, uh, look, probably just the, the one last night, Tone, was the uh, judiciary charges come through, although it will lead to no suspension 
it's a fine only for Jeremiah Nanai. And that was that hip mm. drop um, in the in the Cowboys' performance on Adam Fanul. Blake, again, uh, we see a fine only. Uh, I can tell you, it's a, with an early plea, it's $1,800. $1,800 for Jeremiah Nanai. I'm really concerned about these tackles. Um, and, look, if the NRL want to stamp it out, I, I think they have to come down harsher uh, than $1,800 fines. Well, that was described by the referee as just being a bit careless, wasn't it? It was a lot. Hey, run. granted, it was a line ball one. But uh, you saw Adam Fanul, Blake's certainly in some pain with around that knee area. They and just need to get some clarity around it, Dave, don't they? Because yeah. at the moment the rule is you need to be like above the knee. But yep. then all of a sudden the referee can use their own discretion and say, well, you know, it's a dangerous tackle. So I think the NRL need to come down and say, well, we just can't. That third man, he just yeah. can't come in around the knee. Or if he does, he needs to, you know, take uh, – it needs to be caretaken. Um, and that may be to the, the discretion of the of the video ref or the referee. But at the moment it seems funny. The players are a little bit confused because the message is, well, if I don't go below the knees, I can still come in and do it. Maybe the NRL need to think about trying to get that out of the game and doing it by hand the referees the power to make that sort of decision. The problem is if you don't come in low, then you've got two guys holding a guy up on his feet who reverses for 15 or 20 metres mm, yeah. uh, post-contact. Yeah. This, has led, this has led to an, another discussion about whether two referees need to come back into the game and one is solely focused on that ruck area and in a, in a, in a situation of a, um, of a cannonball-style tackle, the referee's right there ready to... Tell that player, no, 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 or blow the whistle, penalty, whatever it needs to be done. But, again, that's a discussion for another day. Uh, it's a great day. area. Yeah, it is, it is. Yeah. Uh, look, just as far as the Broncos are concerned, absolutely hammered last night. We'll go through the Bronx in a minute, but uh, they do have a concern with Kurt Capel. He's got an ankle problem. He's in huge doubt for next week. That is one of probably many concerns for Kevin Walters yes. as we speak right now. We'll get to that game next. The Storm 60, the Broncos 12. It's the Saturday Scrum, all thanks to King G Workwear. We are at Combeck Stadium. <laughs> How good is that? <laughs> uh, my name's Tony Squires. I'm with Ryan Gurdler, yeah. Dave Riccio and Nathan Brown. Uh, the uh, Eels lead. No, sorry, they're behind 16-12 for the Bulldogs in the New South Wales Cup. Of course, the NRL will start at 3 o'clock. Before that, we'll hear from, see from the uh, NRLW. The Eels and the Roosters. Roosters, of course, defending champions in that competition. See how they shape up for this season. All right. The uh, Broncos would have gone into last night. What would their, uh, Brandon, their expectations have been? They'd be dreaming, as we look at that live ladder now, dreaming of perhaps a, a top four spot had been the past few weeks, but the performances haven't really matched that. Then they walk out against a team that they've lost 11 consecutive times to in the storm, and they get a shellacking. Yeah, well, I suppose in today's game... Uh when a run of possession and a team's on a real roll and they've got players like Munster, Jerome Hughes, you know, two of the world's best hookers in Harry Grant and, and Brandon Smith, when those blokes get on a roll in today's game and the momentum's going with them, it's extremely difficult to stop for, for most sides. Like a, a Panthers, you know, who we've seen just not miss a heart, but young Sean O'Sullivan's gone in and he's playing terrific footy and Jamin Salmon's gone in. Like, it's like the yep. team hasn't missed a beat, hasn't it? But most teams, most developing clubs like the the Bronx, you know, we've seen where they've been to where they've come from and, it, you know, they've come a long way this year. But it just shows to become an elite team, they've still got a bit to go and it's, you know, it's the back part of the year now. They've had younger blokes who have just come through an origin series as well. Um probably their second Origin Series, and it's the first time these young blokes have gone from Origin Series to where they need to continue winning so they can play finals footy in a high spot on the ladder, where in the past these young blokes might have played Origin, but the 
the position on the ladder, the, the footy wasn't, I suppose, as important because they couldn't make playoffs. So there's uh, going to be some great learnings for the Broncos. I certainly wouldn't write them off. It was only this time last year, I think, was it Melbourne Storm or someone put 50 or 60 on South Sydney? Yeah. And all of yep. a sudden, you know, South Sydney lost the grand final to an intercept try, 14-12. So, you were so not that, writing them off. See, I was looking for something much thicker than a texter uh, <laughs> to put the red look, line. Look, I, I'm, I'm by no means – I'm not here – an advocate. I'm not saying the Broncos can win the grand final this year. I think they've still got a bit to go yep. in their development to, to get to that stage, you know. But I still reckon they can definitely win a finals game or two. Yeah, definitely. Well, why don't we just first have a quick listen to uh, what their coach, Kevy Walters, had to say about the loss and indeed, as you're saying, about what learnings they can get out of it. Let's listen. I'm expecting a good reaction from our fellas. I'm quite surprised, actually, with the result. But, yeah, because I know we you know, the guys are working hard and the like, but just didn't have the resilience tonight to stop the storm with their, the way they played their footy. Yeah, I think, Tony, the good thing is for the Broncos is the destiny is in their own hands. Everyone talks about, you know, potentially them slipping out of the eight. They've still got two games to go. They're on 28 points, and they've got the Eels and the Dragons, and the Eels is up at Suncorp, obviously, and, and I think they'll go into that, you know, licking their wounds. I'm not sure how Kate will pulled up but you know, I'm a little bit like Brownie in relation to their development like they finished 14th last year and uh, they just got totally rolled through the middle of the field and they've still got young guys and I know that they're quality players but Flegler and Ricky and Hetherington and they obviously Payne Haas has got a bit of experience but he's still a young guy so uh, they're still a team that are, are just going to improve after games and probably and Broncos fans don't want to hear it but they and they shouldn't get beat by 60 points, but they are going to learn big lessons from that. And, and, I, and I think the conditioning is what separates those top two teams. And I, and I still believe that um, Penrith and, and the Melbourne Storm are those top two teams and they are conditioned. And, and maybe South have that conditioning as well to some degree, although, you know, Penrith really put them to the sword the other night. And the Roosters are another side that are just starting to come together that do have that sort of finals conditioning as well. And it's just a different time of year. I think the the bar has been raised over the last couple of weeks, and that's what's making the back end of this season so entertaining. Usually we're sort of in a little bit of a lull this time of year where everyone's in their spot and there's a little bit of a a fight for, you know, maybe seventh and eighth and so forth. But those top six are usually set in stone. Well, the fact of the matter is, Tone, going into sort of this weekend, you know, there's there's seven out of those top eight spots are really up for grabs. The Cowboys, uh, they did a good job against the Warriors uh, last night and they've sort of taken their two points, but they've got a really tough run in. They all play each other. It looks like really only Penrith have cemented that sort of that top spot. Other than that, um, I, I think, you know, all the, all the cards are in the middle and uh, teams are fighting for the position that they're going to finish uh, over the next three weeks. It's, uh, it's a brilliant back end of the year, to be honest. Gerds Brownie, uh, I think the Broncos are down a key figure in their spine. Uh, so much comes off Adam Reynolds. Then we look at the fullback with Tamarie Martin, uh, a handy first grader. Uh, Ezra Mam, a talent, but uh, still a rookie. Jake Turpin, a dummy half. I just think there's, there's an over-focus on, uh, and this is why I actually agree with you guys that the Broncos have done a good job this season to get to where they are, because for me it's very much still, they're in that makeshift spine phase where they're still working out who they are in those key positions. Clearly, Reese Walsh comes to the club next year, Brownie. I'm wondering what impact and how much uh, influence he'll have on the team, and or will there be this great expectation and it probably doesn't need to be peeled back because, you know, 
I, to be fair, I've watched a few of Reese Walsh's games lately. He's def- there's some defensive def- flaws there that he needs to correct. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I'm just coming back to the Broncos. That spine, I think they've done a good job with the current spine that they got. Yeah, I reckon they've done a great job. And I thought, you know, Billy Walters has played some really, really good footy um, throughout the year. And obviously Adam Reynolds is a hugely experienced player, you know. But Ezra Mann, as you said, is young, learning the game. Uh, Reese Walsh is coming. Reese Walsh is still a 19-year-old kid, you know. And if you look at the difference, like James Tedesco has been one of the best players in the world for the last two, three, four years. But he's 27 now, you know. So Reese Walsh with another preseason, he's got a, he's got plenty to work on his game. But he's certainly going to bring a new dimension and take some pressure off Adam Reynolds, as you said. Mm. I'm not sure what you think there yourself, Gerds, but I, I don't look at the ladder. I look at the talent of the players in the teams, and if fully fit, the second best team in the comp clearly and only a shade beyond the Panthers is the Roosters. They've got the best players. Yep. Mm. I've got no doubt at all. Yep. You get yep. they get their best team on the field. Whether they run eighth or sixth or whatever, yep. they can beat anyone. And, and they had a, one of their best teams on the field against the Sharks who were running second. They put them to the sword in 25 minutes. They had a mm. pretty good side out there last week without two outstanding front rows that didn't play in Lindsay Collins and Siwa who were coming back in a week's time. Yep. And, they, and they did a job on the Cowboys last week. And the Cowboys are running third. And So I, I don't look at the latter. I look at the, the talent. If the Roosters get their best squad fit, they've got a proven coach. I wouldn't be surprised if the Roosters won the conference. And you don't worry yeah. about things like home finals and, and, and two and, bites at the cherry. Yeah, that's those. right. And outside the eight, Brownie, that's yeah. where history's against them. Not, not. I look at the like, like Robbo's already won three comps. Jason Rolls, outstanding assistant coach. Have a look at their players. Go yeah. if you look at the world's best players. Yep. The fullback Tedesco. Yep. Now, Joey Manu, mm. Luke Keary. If I can buy a lock forward, me personally, I'm buying. Victor Radley. Victor Radley. He hits like a hammer. He's as intelligent as a half. He loves to bleed. Uh, he's like they've got, you know, they've got five or six. Look at the two wingers, Sawali and Tupu. They're both six foot six. Yeah. You, yeah. Know, you go through their squad. You make a pretty strong case, Brownie. You, you do. Well, you look do. at the front. Have a look at their. Have a look at their four front rowers. So. Yeah, well, it, why it, haven't they won more games? I, I think well, they had injuries, didn't they? They, they had a. Yeah. They, had, they had a fair few of them out at the no. start of the year, you know. But if you get if you get Lindsay Collins starting with. Jared, and then you bring Siwar and Matt Lodge off the yeah, bench. Yeah. What club's got four front rows no. of that? Of that? Of that? Yeah, well, Matt Lodge has been outstanding for many. You're, you're absolutely yeah. right. Yeah. Well, yeah. I and, think and, the issue yeah. for the Roosters is their run in Brownie. Like they've had to obviously, you know, gain some momentum. They had a really ordinary middle, and, and their start was okay, but the middle of their season was poor. And then they had that run of injuries, and their halves weren't connected, and they just weren't playing anywhere near like the football that. Uh, we we thought potentially they could have played. Then they sort of started that run. Then good win against the Broncos. They had a uh, obviously the the win last last week you spoke to against the Cowboys. Uh, but they've got you know so they've already had like two really sort of hard games where they needed to win. And then they come up against obviously uh, the the Tigers who they'll do you think they'll do a job on. Then they play then they play Pen, uh, Melbourne Storm. And then they play South Sydney. And then if they finish, which you'd think in that bottom four, they're basically gonna you know, there's five or six in a row of, of big games, and they're going to have to win potentially another four in a row. So it'll be Not 10 or 11 games against to. top oh. opposition to win the comp. And I know they're good and they've got a talented roster and they're really conditioned for that and they've got a great coach, but that'll be a, a huge achievement, a huge, it's a massive achievement monster. to get that Undefe- done. Brownie, they're going undefeated from now on. No, they don't need to go undefeated because they'll, they'll run in the eight. And I, I think, you know, if you spoke to... Well, they'll be in the if bottom you, If four, you sat down so and they... spoke with Robbo, if you spoke to Robbo, he's 
probably sitting there thinking we can't make the top eight. So top four, top four, the rest of the couple. Eight, we'll just we'll run eighth, right? So whoever runs fifth, they'll be terrified. Are they going to tank? <laughs> Are you telling us they're going to tank? No, they're not going to tank. Just but, gonna rest. but but they'll they'll use they'll use their personnel smart, cleverly. That's what they'll do. And <laughs> will uh, Penrith rest everybody? And, now and whether they finish seventh or sixth or eighth or if it is, if mm. they put that like the if they get their best seventeen they got available on the field, they will beat whoever runs whoever they play week one, and they will mm. beat whoever they play week two. I got no doubt at all. I love this. You've started strong. I'm on fire. <laughs> you are on fire. Mm. Mind you, I did tell me old man to back him when they were about 20-something to one a while ago, too. So, they're, so they're, I'm cheering for my dad's pocket brand. as well. If they, have, if they have secured that spot, seventh or eighth or whatever it may be, going into the last round, the hard thing is going to be they play South Sydney at the new stadium. And every player is going to want to be involved in that. Every coach is going to want to win that. And if you're needing to lay players off, I guess they've got the experience within the playing group that also momentum's not a big thing, yeah, you would think. So it's not like, oh, we, we can't take our foot off the gas because what if we lose a week and then we can't regain that sort of form for the first week of the finals? They're not a team you would imagine would be concerned about a situation like that. They will not have an issue at all. All I want to come in there is hopefully come in there where they get their best players fit and feeling fresh and yeah, obviously they're they're a well organised club, aren't they? And Rob Robbo's he's right. right across that sports science stuff himself, you know. So they'll be they'll be well organised and fresh. I just if they can stay fit, I've got no doubt that the the week before the grand final, yeah. the Roosters will be playing someone. Well, it is mouth-watering what is yeah, what is right. ahead of us. Uh, and as we said, the Panthers, they've already got the uh, the JJ Gilton shield that belongs to them once again. I think it's two in the last three years, is that right? Uh, the Cowboys put a bit of line in the sand. They played well. Uh, they're up there. Now we saw the Storm. We have to get to them belated. We've uh, rattled on for quite some time. We'll take a break, but we'll talk about the Storm, just how impressive they That's were. That's why we're here, Tone. That's why we Exactly. It makes good we're, radio. Here, of course, is Combank Stadium, where the New South Wales Cup, the Bulldogs 16, lead the Eels 12. Jacob Arthur is running around uh, in this game. So that kind of confirms that Mitchell Moses will be there in the NRL come kickoff 3 o'clock. Saturday Scrum. The Triple M Saturday Scrum for King G. Triple M rocks footy. We're at Combank Stadium where New South Wales Cup uh, is just eight, almost nine minutes remaining in this game. The Bulldogs 18, leading the Earls, Eels 12. Dave Riccio? Uh, yeah, just as far as the Melbourne Storm are concerned, well, yeah, we touched on their demolition job on the Broncos. Uh, they've got an issue with Tyron Wishart. Uh, it's a suspected syndesmosis injury. Tyron's done a really good job for the Storm, filling in um, in a, a couple of key positions. Uh, looking at, like, four weeks which pushes into that finals period. Depth is so key at this point of, uh, point of the season. So Tyron Wishart likely to miss four weeks with a syndesmosis. Um, and down below in the Q Cup, Dean Eremeyer. He's done a, a job for the Storm in the past. He's uh, looking like two months out, which, well, there you go, that season, yep. um, uh, with, a, with a really, really bad hamstring injury. So a blow there for the Storm. Indeed. We'll get to their performance, which was uh, absolutely brilliant. 60 to 12 winners over the Broncos. All right, uh, South. Sydney had a loss. Jackson Paulo, he admitted that he didn't have the greatest game. What has come from that, though, is just once again an indication of uh, stupid cowards trying to have their way. Uh, abuse of a young player. Uh, to the level, I understand, Dave Riccio, there were death threats. It's extraordinary um, that, that fans feel like they have this in, entitlement and empowerment to... Um, sit in their 
lounge rooms, bedrooms, wherever they are. Firing, somewhere dark and dingy. Firing off abuse yeah. at a footballer. Yeah, granted, he didn't have the best game. But the, the level of abuse um, is disgusting. Honestly, absolutely disgusting. And I would encourage Jackson Paulo uh, and the NRL Integrity Unit to take this to the New South Wales Police. Have they Which not done in, that yet, Dave? Not at this stage, Gerds. It's, it's in process. It's in train. It's, I understand it's in train. So I, I don't know if it's, it's about interviewing Jackson, where he wants to go with this, um, and NRL Integrity Unit progressing it further to the New South Wales Police. I think it absolutely has to be done. A line in the sand moment. Yep. It's disgusting. Well, there is a line in the sand moment, but there have been a few lines in the sand, let's be honest. And there's also the problem of whether you take it to the police, whether in fact they can detect who has, uh, you know, done this. The difference is these people would never say it to his face. And of course. You know, and, and like how how they think they can use a platform to offer such vile abuse to a young man... Who's got a family? Keeping in mind, I assume these cowards have brothers, uh, have cousins. You know, uh, how would they feel about uh, a family what, what, member? What was the forum? Was it directed towards him on the South Sydney sort yeah, of social across media? Across the South site, Sydney social directly, media, pl- directly like with him tagged in, going directly yep. to yep. the man himself. All that good. Yeah. across the South Sydney social media platforms and and tagged in Jackson Bowler. And they were South Sydney fans? Uh, upset, suppose, obviously, after the loss? Well, fans are a loose word then, really, isn't it, for that? <laughs> They're yeah. not really fitting into that category. Nathan Brown, as somebody who, obviously, uh, you know, coaching and you've seen these young guys, and they're, they're reliant is probably the wrong word. But social media is important to them. So they're always checking their phones. The impact, is it big? Oh, there's no doubt at all. I've seen some players, obviously, dealt with players that have really struggled with... Um, I suppose the abuse or getting some things said about them, which and, and whether it affects the player directly or whether it affects mum and dad or a wife or a daughter or a son, of, you know, which way it goes and how it affects them, I'm, it can be different on anything. But you know, unfortunately, human beings. There's been ordinary human beings in this world ever since there's been human beings. And it was only 300 years ago people were cutting people's heads off and yeah, hanging people, no, weren't they? And yes. Unfortunately, there's just some people that are just not nice people. And as long as there's social media, they'll use that platform to do things like this. And how do you stop it? I'm not sure how you stop it. It's, it's a sad situation, You're especially so right, with, the, with the amount of suicides we've got yep. in, in society today, you know, and how much does social media actually have to accept responsibility for that, for what happens to young children. And here's Jackson Polo, who's a young adult, you know, he's getting treated poorly just because good players have off days, just like good people make yep. a bad mistake. Yep. But there's also bad people out there who, continue, who consistently are bad people. Yeah, as a, as a coach, Brownie, and a mentor to young men, how, can you re, as a club, can you regulate something like that? Or is that just sort of off limits to a club to try and get involved in that part? Because I guess there's there's like a brand, that these guys, and they, they, they can earn money. It can generate some sort of other, other, other income for them and maybe a, a future uh, after the game of possible income. So how can you... How much control as a club can you take over how a individual, you know, uses their social media? Well, it's not, it's not a great deal you can really do, guys. At the end of the day, because as you just said, it's it's the modern modern way of life, and all the kids these days are. You know, I've got I've got three daughters that have got mobile phones, and they're on social media, and 
I've got a wife that's on social media and, like, that's what the world does. And I'm not on it myself personally, so I don't see a lot of the stuff. I'm reliably informed by people if someone says something funny or nasty about myself, <laughs> through my wonderful mates and daughters and that. So I'm not actually on it myself. So, yeah. But how do you reckon? It's probably more, I suppose, at a younger age. Like, obviously, with the with the sad passing of Paul Green, there's been a lot lot of uh, talk about suicide, but you know, is it something that needs to be addressed at school level, at young level, and teaching kids how to deal with it? Because we're not going to get them off social media. So, can mm. is there a is there a platform at schools to actually educate educate kids there? Well, you would hope so, but it? sadly, I think at schools they're also you know into abusing each other on online uh, yeah. as well. So, the, and you know, but I mean, and how you're to deal with right, it. the bad yeah. people. There are bad people, and, and they reproduce. Yeah. And stupidity is a renewable resource, quite sadly, and that combination of things is ugly. When I was uh, in England, there was a story doing the rounds in England. There was a boxer that got, he lost a fight. Uh, bo- and there's a lot of boxing big in England. There's a lot of good fighters over in England. And the story went that the boxer got abused by a guy from Hull and he found out where he lived and drove to Hull and went and knocked on the bloke's front door. Yep. And yep. do you reckon the bloke went outside with him? <laughs> no way. No. Yeah. It's Ma- a brilliant story. It's in the paper over there. It's a brilliant story. Matty Johns did a skit once on, on, on Fox to prove that these... Uh, that people are willing to say things uh, when the person they're attacking can't react back. Gordy, there was a big picture of Gordy Tallis, a massive poster on a wall. He's a uh, big cat. I'd give it to him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and Matty and, and Matty Johns asked these punters, "What do you think of this bloke?" And they went, "Oh, mate, hey Gordy, hey, he's a grub." He's a grub, Gordy. And behind the poster was Gordy. And so Gordy stepped out in front of the poster and they absolutely shat themselves, these punters, <laughs> because once they're confronted by the actual person, and that's that's the cowardness of this this yeah. issue. It's, it's very sad, isn't yeah, it? it? Yeah, it is. And, well, we had a young kid, at, well, it was a 10-year-old boy, commit suicide just recently, which is so sad. And, again, how much is social media... So how do we how do we solve it, girls? I'm not sure what the answer is, mm. but hopefully there's some education that can help the the next generation coming through because it's a, it's, a, it's going to continue, isn't it? It's not going to stop. Totally, it's a dilemma. Well, you as might well, be able to stop here we it. Sit, here we sit at uh, at Combank Stadium, and this afternoon, thirty thousand or how many people will be here? Twenty thousand, and, and they'll stand up and, and boo somebody for something yeah. they do on the field, and and we go, well, you, you've paid your That's money. That's how they pay their money. You pay the money, and these exactly. players are choosing to. Yep. This is their profession, and they get paid very well for it. So you kind of there are those different levels, yeah. aren't they? And then, as you mm. say, there's the people who are in their you know skivvies in a darkened room and mm. tapping away and with no expectation of ever seeing them face to face. And there's nothing wrong with a fan giving Jackson Paulo a bit of a razzing. Is oh, you dropped the ball, you yeah. had a bad day, give him a bit of a. But but this the went level. Far, that's rowdy. what I mean. The level. Yeah. Of, this was borderline death threat. The level. Like, the uh, level really, they go seriously, to. Seriously, we're talking yeah. about. Like death threats. The level they like, go to is, is terrible. Like we've all copped a bit of a hard time over yep. the years, but the level that people go to now on social yep. media is just shocking. And, and I would imagine it comes back to things like, you know, to a lesser degree, super coach. People that, you know, get so wound up in super coach, mm. they get really aggressive if the player that they've got in their team doesn't perform. And the same is with betting, right? So yeah, if, you ruined my you know, multi. People were, yeah, yeah, 1 to 12 or whatever, and they felt like he, he influenced the result with his performance. Well, then that also gives them a little extra motivation to, you know, Make contact and and uh, and behave the way that they have, but I guess the only way you can make them accountable is by actually ha- you know having names or whatever it is, and everyone's accountable for whatever yes. it is sort of platform that they go on. They need to have names and addresses, and that way there's no alias, and that way we can, you know, y- y- people can be um, accountable for what they do. We had a situation earlier in the year at the Warriors where a young bloke had a had a tough day at the office, and uh, which can happen to good players, just a yep. young player, and. 
some of the stuff that we heard from social media was horrible. Like, mm. it has never come to the media. Like, but it's just terrible and... It's just, yeah, it's shocking. I, yeah. I, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know how to handle it, but it's terrible. Yeah. Well, credit to South Sydney. They're throwing their support, obviously, around Jackson. Um, and I understand he's he's going okay. He's going to have to be a mentally strong boy, like to cop what he has copped in the last twenty four hours. Mm. Uh, will be a real test of his mental strength. Um, and I wish him well. South Sydney, as I said, throwing his support and it's now in the hands of the NRL Integrity Unit to take it further. When we'll speak with Blake Solly from South Sydney at two o'clock. Today. As it sometimes it's not the. It's not the player, though. I was talking to a good friend of mine the other day and he was talking about the coaching and I said, I'm not really too bothered if people bag me that I don't know. I'm not friends with someone and they give yeah. me a razz. I said, I don't care. And he goes, yeah, but it affects us. Yeah. And in Jackson Paulo's case, how much it affects is going to have on mum and dad and brother mm. and sister. So he true. might handle it well. That but is, it's the other people. That yeah, is so true. And in that regard, obviously, if you or anybody you know uh, needs help or would like to talk about any of those issues that we've raised today, uh, Lifeline is always there. Call 13 11 14. It's the Saturday Scrum. Thanks to King G Workwear. The Triple M Saturday Scrum for King G. Triple M rocks footy. It's a Saturday scrum, and the Panthers, as we said, they have wrapped up the minor premiership. Uh, thanks in no small part to this man who's been terrific all season when he's had the opportunity, of course, talking about Sean O'Sullivan. G'day, mate. Congratulations. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me. It must be very nice, uh, once again, to get that JJ Giltman shield. Yeah, you know, it's awesome as a, as a club to, um, you know, get the minor premiership. It shows, you know, that we've been consistent all year, but... Um, I guess, you know, in, in six weeks' time, I guess no one really remembers, you know, who the minor premiers are. But, um, yeah, it's obviously uh, it's a good achievement just to show how consistent we've been. Good achievement for you uh, this season. Just It's all about opportunity, and you've taken every, every time that opportunity has popped its head up, whether it be through injury, of course, or suspension, to play your role uh, in, in a crucial season? Yeah, I, and I'm very grateful and thankful that I can be a part of this team and just do my job just to, you know, be able to, yeah, help out wherever I could, you know. So coming to the Panthers, I obviously knew that I was going to be behind Nathan and, and Jerome. And, you know, I'm just so thankful that I get to learn from them and the awesome coaching staff that we have. And, um, yeah, being able to play a few games and get some good wins too, which is, yeah, really nice. Yeah, and that, that's what I was going to say, Sean. I mean, 10 games, you probably mightn't have expected to play that when you signed on at the beginning of the year, but it's turned out that way and you've done an admirable job. What What is it that you're going to take away? It's been a short stint at Penrith. It'll only be one year before you move on to the uh, to the Dolphins. What do you take away from the club? Yeah, you know, I think um, me choosing to, to come to Penrith, I think it was a really smart decision just on, on my behalf. You know, I knew that I would get so much out of it and... Um, you know, just, just the games that I have, you know, been able to play, I've learned so much just about, you know, how to how to kind of guide your team around. And, you know, with leaders like Nave Jerome, Appy, Isaiah Yo, Dill Edwards, James Fishhouse and Villiam Kikau, like the list goes on. I've just learned so much more. And I think my football has developed in a, uh, yeah, in a, in a really, really nice way where, you know, hopefully next year you know, I can take the next step and, you know, hopefully lead, you know, my own team around if I have a good pre-season and stuff. So, yeah, I'll take so much out of it. 
Sean, Dave, Riccio, mate, all my insiders at the Panthers, they tell me about Sean O'Sullivan and, and they talk to me about your footy IQ. Now, for those fans that don't know, your father is Peter O'Sullivan. He's been uh, a recruitment manager at a number of clubs, uh, been involved in the game for uh, more than 25 years at, at within uh, the club in a sanctum. So I'm thinking that Sean O'Sullivan grows up looking at the game a little bit differently to other footy players, given that your, your father's heavy involvement within the game. Would that be fair to say? I, I hear that you you really analyse the game differently, uh, break down the opposition, um, uh, as I said, with a very high-level footy IQ. Yeah, you know, obviously I, I love football. You know, I think my earliest memories, you know, of me being in the Melbourne Storm Sheds when I was an eight, nine-year-old kid being their ball boy and, you know, being able to be around the likes of Billy Slater, Cameron Smith, Cooper Cronk, Greg Inglis, you know, like I've, I've been pretty fortunate in, um, you know, some of the stuff that I've been able to see and hear, you know. I've, I was such a young kid, I was able to listen to Craig Bellamy's half-time speeches and you know, listen to Trent Robinson's half-time and full-time speeches. So, you know, I've been very grateful that, you know, I've, I'm allowed to have, you know, such wide experiences and listen to some, you know, some of the best footy minds in the game. And I think it's also, you know, helped me, I guess, in a way where, you know, I, I hopefully, you know, see the game a little bit differently to, you know, to just to some other people. So, yeah, you know, I love rugby league and it's definitely my passion. And, you know, yeah, I definitely uh, can't get enough of it. Sean Patrick O'Sullivan. It doesn't get much more Irish than that, though, Sean. Uh, do you smash it up St. Patrick's Day? <laughs> My middle name's Thomas, so I don't know. <laughs> oh, who gave me that research? Uh, Wikipedia's who got you again. Who gave me that research? Um, well, you know what? Actually, my nan wanted me to be uh, Patrick, so... My dad will have a little laugh. <laughs> there you go, Tone. Yeah. <laughs> well, hey, guess what, Sean? So You're Patrick good. now, mate. <laughs> Patty. Little Patty. First certificate now. Hey, hey, Sean, you just spoke. Um, Dave just mentioned, you know, your uh, your pedigree in, in the game and you, you signed for to play for the Dolphins under Wayne Bennett. What excites you about the opportunity to go up there and, and you know, apply your craft under Wayne? Well, you know, Wayne Bennett is obviously one of the best coaches the game has ever seen. So, you know, I signed actually at the Broncos to, to be able to be coached by him and, you know, obviously the, the swap happened there. So, you know, I'm really, I'm really looking forward to, to be able to be um, getting coached under him. You know, I think he, um, you know, he'll be perfect for me. He, he won't really overcomplicate things and, you know, hopefully I can just take, you know, so much from his experiences in the game. You know, he's one, one of the most successful coaches yeah, the NRL's ever seen. So it's going to be awesome, you know, to um to be able to yeah be coached under him. Yeah, you know, even just talking to him, he has this awe about himself, and you, know, you just kind of have to pinch yourself. So yeah, it's going to be pretty cool. Exciting. All right, you you mentioned uh, a little earlier some of those names uh, that you have learnt from in the short time you've been with the Panthers. That leadership group is huge, and they are huge names. The one that you mentioned there, I think, is becoming increasingly important. He was out last week when you went down to Melbourne. He was there this week when you beat South. I'm talking about Dylan Edwards. Yeah, he's unbelievable, Dylan Edwards. You know, I think um, it's quite well known. You know how fit he is and how hard he trains. But um, yeah, the way that. You know, what he does, especially for our defensive line, you know, he'll save a tackle in the left corner and literally the next play he'll be in the right corner saving another try. You know, he's, his fitness is, is honestly unbelievable and the amount of work that he gets through, you know, he's 
he's averaging nearly like something ridiculous in meters and you know he's having one or two carries per set and then he's supporting our middles yeah i can't speak highly enough of deal and yeah he's the backbone of this team that's for sure what about uh what about cameron serrata we see through the week and it's been announced that he'll head to the bulldogs for five years what sort of uh, mentor are they getting oh Ciro is yeah he's unbelievable you know i think um he can be credited for a lot of, uh, you know, the work that we do for our defence. You know, his, um, his system that he's put in place is, is first class, you know. And I think, you know, what they're getting is they're getting a coach that they'll love. You know, he um, he gets to know you on a real personal level. And then, you know, footy comes second for him. And, yeah, he's honestly, yeah, one of one of the best blokes you'll, you'll ever meet in rugby league. And I can't speak highly enough of Ciro, and I'm very thankful that, I've been able to get coached under him this year. Uh, well, it is great to talk to you, Sean Patrick Michael O'Sullivan. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Good job, Patty. Well yeah. done, mate. <laughs> All the best for the rest of the season and next uh, year as well, mate. Yeah, thanks, guys. Thanks Good for having me, Sean. Absolute pleasure. <laughs> there he goes. <laughs> what a okay, note to self must dismiss research. <laughs> <laughs> Triple M, Saturday Scrub, for King G. Triple M, rocks footy. Coming to you live from Combank Stadium this afternoon, Tony Squires, Ryan Girdler, Dave Riccio and Nathan Brown. New South Wales Cup, the Doggies 19 over the Eels 16. Uh, that game finished. We saw a bit of Mitch Moses wandering around at the centre here of Combank Stadium, kicking a footy around. He's come back early. That's a great in for Parramatta, Nathan Brown. Yeah, you would have thought that's a, a great result for, for Parramatta. They're obviously in that situation where... When you look at the ladder, what a win or what three wins in a row might do for you as opposed to losing one more game and then you might you might tumble into a Roosters or a Rabbitohs. Yep. We've both got you know, very, very strong outfits. So, yeah, it's a, it's a big in. Uh, generally in the top sort of couple of players for try assists, so you'd like to think he's going to add some add some improvement to the Eels. Oh, I'd be nervous, though, that oh, you, you come back from a broken finger early. It's It's got a target on it, hasn't it? Yeah, but there's obviously, you know, the medical people these days and the high-performance people, there's, you know, there's obviously a, a, a lot of thought would have went into it. And I yeah. wouldn't have thought that, you know, the, the head coach, Brad Arthur, would risk, risk. if he was going to set him back for a long period of time. You know, they, all those things would have come into discussion because I'd imagine Parramatta, again, you know, would rather have a fit Mitchell Moses and run fifth or sixth as opposed to an unfit Mitchell Moses and run three or four. Yeah. Because you need your best players and your best positions fit and able when, when, you, when you get to the big end of the year. I just love the way you're talking about the fluid nature of this top eight, Nathan Brown. And you can be anywhere and you can still get the job done. You know you know what, uh, I don't want to put ideas in the Bulldogs players' minds, but uh-huh. you know what injury or, or, or um, loose loose uh, boot stepping um, <laughs> that that always I, I wince when somebody stands on somebody's when hands, they're playing the ball when they're playing the ball yeah. and marker yeah. oh it just accidentally just drops his size 12 boot yeah. onto the hand of the player playing the ball yeah. and I just hope that doesn't, doesn't happen, happen to just today uh, well plenty ahead but right now it is time for some of this action welcome to Tony's spotting quiz. Yes, indeed. Welcome to the quiz. Thanks to The Gem, the newest and most exciting prize and rewards program. The Gem is giving away even more. Thegem.com. All right, I was trying to come up with a theme and then I couldn't. It kind of slipped past me. I decided Parramatta Canterbury, there's great history there. Maybe it'll ask something around those lines, just something about those individual teams. Uh, maybe something about the era in which they were dominant, i.e. the 80s. So it's a bit of a dog's breakfast, to be quite honest with you. But I'll start with what has now become the classic of the form. Uh, <clears throat> can you use your names as your buzzers, if you wouldn't mind testing those for me, please? Zip. 
Are you serious? Zip? Yes. I'm the zip, zip man. <laughs> oh, oh, zip oh, man. Oh, oh, we're doing that, are we? <laughs> yeah, that, that's actually very good. Okay. Uh, Bert. Bert, okay. Brownie. Oh, come on. <laughs> <laughs> Which? <laughs> Which? Right, I, I love it. Okay. Right zip, Bert, and Brownie. <laughs> like suddenly the episode of Sesame Street. <laughs> uh, okay, spell. Who, <laughs> and this isn't from the 80s at all. Whose name am I spelling backwards? A R D A R Red Rod D. Zip. Yes, Zip. Sammy. Rod, rod, Sammy Radrara is exactly right. What coach said, you can't be a mug Brownie. all... Yes, Brownie. Jack Gibson. <laughs> yes. I finished the quote. You can't be a mug all week and not be a mug at the weekend football. <laughs> <laughs> Jack Gibson. I love it. Yeah. Which doctor played for Canterbury? Zip. Yes, Zip. Uh, George Paponis. Dr. George Paponis. He did indeed. How old was Phil Gould when he... Brownie. Came? Yes, Brownie. 29. Well, I'm going to... Bert. No, it's all no, wrong, gonna... wrong, Tony. But, yeah, I know. It's, it is sort of that, isn't it, with the numbers? Yeah. The question was, how old was Phil Gould when he coached Bulldogs to 1988 Premiership? 29? Well, it? you say 29. He would, it said 30, but there, there was different numbers. I'm going to give that to <laughs> oh, you. Geez. Well, why are you asking That's questions where there's different well, answers? There's only different answers in the math question. The September, Tony. <laughs> When's Phil's birthday? Seriously. The grand what final's in this? September. Yeah. It's always been September, October. When's Phil's birthday? Do you want me to send it to the bunker? Is that what you I want? I just want I mean, to know I when Phil's birthday area. is, what time of year. I want to know what his star sign is. Look, I've, I've always been a fan of Brown. I'm just... <laughs> July... So Capricorn. Uh, July, see, July 1958. July, so if in July he was 30, well then... Yes, when they the won grand the final is 30. well after that, yeah. yeah. Okay, can we change that ding to a really... Oh, nice that's, that's, that's poor, yeah, that's poor Gerds. I'll tell you what, you've got me on a technical well, yeah. there. <laughs> Fair well, it's not really technical. I, well, I, the the one I, what I knew was I just knew he was 29 when he started head coaching, coaching and yes. I knew he won that comp again. So <laughs> I didn't realise he turned 30. You've cost me a point. We all knew Name, that he was 29. Was we when all he started just had to work coaching. out what... 29. 29. You were 29 as well. Yeah, I think yeah. so. Equal youngest. Congratulations. Name three Parramatta Premiership years. Zip, Brownie. Yes, Brownie. 81, 82, 83. <laughs> you got a problem there, girls? My microphone working here. Well, you're going there, zip. Uh, okay, name three uh, premiership years. Brownie. The dog, yes. In the same decade. 85, 88, and 80. Correct, correct, oh, correct. At, at 84, that means eight of the ten years of that decade were won either by Parramatta or the Bulldogs. Uh, changing tack slightly, the Dart Masters are on in Australia tonight. In what town or city? Bert. Yes, Bert. Wollongong. Wollongong is correct. Yeah. Uh, and last question, let's go uh, to modern day. How many hyphenated names are in today's Bulldogs lineup without looking at your program? Zip. How many? Yes, Zip. Three. Oh, you're, you're, you're all Look over Franklin. They're looking good. Look at his eyes. <laughs> <laughs> it's actually, it's actually four. Uh, there are four: uh, Josh Adokar, Jeremy Marshall, King, Raymond Fatale, uh, Mariner, and we have one. Yes, Zach, Zach Docker. Docker you said in the starting thirteen. Tony. I, did, I did not say in the you starting. You said in the starting thirteen. He actually 13, said you don't let me read the program too, because you read that program brilliantly. Program of a newspaper. <laughs> We're going back to check the tape with Ray said in the starting thirteen. There you go. I I think the... Uh, Highly controversial <laughs> quiz. That was. <laughs> Call it a draw, Tony. <laughs> Brownie's the winner. It's the same <laughs> Hey, you'll be able to eat. Thanks to King G Workwear. <laughs> Welcome 
to the Triple M Saturday Scrub. Yes, good everybody. Just a couple of hours before kickoff, right here, Combank Stadium. The Parramatta Eels taking on the Bulldogs. New South Wales Cup. Uh, the doggies got the job done. 19 points to 16. Uh, the NRLW game. The Eels and the Roosters has just kicked off here. Nil all as we speak. My name's Tony Squires. Ryan Girdler, Dave Riccio, and Nathan Brown uh, with me. Just looking at the results so far. The uh, Storm and the Broncos. It was a massive, massive win to the Storm. 60 points to 12. We've spoken to the Broncos. We'll uh, get to how well the Storm are playing. In fact, we'll speak with Brandon Smith very shortly on the show. Uh, Panrith 26, South Sydney 22, and another good performance from the Cowboys as well. Uh, 48-4 winners over the Warriors. Uh, all right, and news coming out. There was just a couple of injury and one reporting from yep. so far. Yeah, yeah. Just a, as I said, Tyron, Tyron Wishart for the Melbourne Storm yep. is facing up to a month out with a syndesmosis. Kirk Capel, ankle injury, unlikely to play next week. Uh, guys, uh, Tone, you just touched on this New South Wales Cup game played earlier uh, here at Combank. Uh, Parramatta player Wiramu Greg yep. was sent off uh, for a late high shoulder charge bang, on bang, a Bulldog centre. Um, it was absolutely a send-off. It, it, was, it, was, uh, it was that real whiplash action on the, on the dog centre. Um, it, it'll be missing some games, I reckon. Absolutely. Uh, all right, as crowd uh, begins to build up, a uh, cool day, nice day for rugby league in Sydney. All right, what's going on in Newcastle, I guess, is the question. I, and let's just bring everybody up to date and up to speed uh, in terms of Kurt Mann, Kalen Ponga uh, and that visit to the Delaney Hotel. Uh, and that toilet cubicle where now there was drug tested for mm. both of those boys. We won't necessarily know any result from that. What's, what is the actual latest? Well, that's, that's, all, that's what we know. This is now part of an NRL investigation. There's still no closure on it, which I yep. find surprising. I mean, just put a cap on it. Like it, it, it get to the bottom of these issues and move on quickly. Um, uh, that's right. Both Kalen Ponga and Kurt Mann were uh, drug tested by the NRL operating drug agency, not ASADA, which is sits separate to the NRL operating drug agency. Uh, we will. We, you're right. We won't find out those results. You only find out a result if if a player tests positive a second time, and then that player is stood down for 12 weeks. Now, unless a club puts a, an injury smother on a 12 week injury, you really never know. But uh, it would be announced that a player is out for 12 weeks, and then that's. That's an indication that uh, that we have a positive result, uh, but ultimately, tone guys, still no great closure on that issue, um, other than that the NRL are still investigating it. Yeah, I guess well, Newcastle's season went down the, uh, the the toilet, didn't it? Several months ago, they were obviously in the cubicle just checking on its progress. Uh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what does it say? And I guess this has been the big question, hasn't it, uh, about Cloudman? You know. I don't, we don't know what was going on, but uh, in terms of Kalen Ponga and his captaincy and leadership and all those things uh, are called into question, Brownie. Yeah, look, look, Kalen, Pon- Kalen Ponga's a good kid who made a mistake. You know, and these things happen. As I was saying before, there's some bad people out there. Kalen Ponga's not a bad person. He's a good person. He's made a mistake and obviously being captain obviously highlights it a bit more. Um, but, you know, I think you've got Pari there now working with Bedsy. Pari brings a lot of experience and we all know that, you know, I don't think Jonathan Thurston will mind me saying that when he was first as a captain, he was a real rogue and got himself into bits of mischief. And then 
tidied himself up and become a great leader. You know, and was no... Peter Parr part of that process? Well, I'm not sure how much Parr he played in, but he's witnessed it. You know, he's been yep. he's seen it happen. Whether Parr he was definitely involved. Yeah, yeah, so, senior management. So, but, yeah, but he's seen it happen. He understands what can happen, and and they're young kids, aren't they? At the end of the day, and you're talking lots of money and lots of fame and all this sort of jazz. So, you know, it can be a great learning curve for KP. I don't think he needs to be hung out and strung out and the captaincy taken from him, but a little kick up the backside and mate, pull your head in and watch watch how he develops. Goods? Oh, I think, um, yeah, I agree with Brownie. I think it's a little bit of a, a storm in the teacup, to be honest. I mean, um, I always think it was a little bit of a dangerous situation with Kalen remaining at the Knights, you know, was, was my impression when sort of we went through this I thought there was an opportunity there for maybe to put himself in a different environment where he wasn't, you know, a big fish in a in a little pond, but he, he is that up there, and obviously, um, you know, he's going to develop and, and become, if he's not already, much more aware of that. The issue that I had with the whole way it rolled out, Tony, was basically from the club's perspective and the way that they handled it. If they want Kalen to mature and learn from this experience, so they need to be open and honest with themselves and with Kalen, and I, and I just think... I'm not sure that, you know, the statement that his manager, who was his father, gave is in the best interest of Kalen's development. It protects him, sure, but if he keeps continuing to get protected and looked after and everything's okay that, and he's not confronted with the situation that he finds himself in, well, then how's he going to grow and develop? And I just think that the more honest they are with him, um, you know, the better he's going to be as a leader, the more qualities he'll develop and the better he'll be for that organisation who are just absolutely rudderless at the moment. And um, he obviously needs to have, um, you know, people around him that can pull him into line and Brownie would know more than me um, whether the players and there's management up there to take care of that situation but it just seems to me at the moment that um, you know everyone tips around Kalen, tiptoes around Kalen and I think unfairly his performance has been brought into all this I don't think he plays too many bad games for the Knights obviously he's had some injury issues this year but I think he's a player that really does go out there and gives 100% I don't often you know, call games or watch games that Newcastle play where, you know, sometimes he's not at his best, but his best is pretty is pretty incredible. Yeah, and I, and I think he plays at a good level on a weekly basis when he does turn out for the night. So I don't think there's issues with performance. I just think that there's issues around developing him into the captain and the leader that he will become at some point, I have no doubt. Gerds, I don't think it was a storm in a teacup. Uh, I don't think so. When you've got your, your captain... Currently out sideline, who's being paid $1.2 million, uh, sideline with concussion issues, um, and leaving a toilet cubicle with a teammate, I don't think that's a storm in a teacup. How do we not know? Only because it's, it was filmed that we know about it. How do we know this isn't normal practice by the, by the Newcastle captain? How do we not know that this hasn't been needed to be pulled up before this, this, it's. I can't call it a, st- a storm in a teacup. Like it, ne- it needs to be a moment where the Newcastle Knights decide whether Callum Pong is a captain or not. Is that you know, should he have been with the team? That's the thing, isn't it? Is it beyond? Is well, it well, not I think just that's, a... that's club decision, right? Whether they take injured players on those sorts of trips, he definitely should have been watching the game. I do understand all of that part of it, Dave, but. When you have a look at their season, the way that's rolled out, it, even for the players, it, it's it's you know, and he and he is the captain, the leader. I get all that, but it's it's hard for for a goal like that to be, um, I guess, connected in certain ways um, all year, given the situation where the team's at. I'm sure he is there in in some capacity, but and he and if he wasn't taken to the game, I guess he should have been sitting in front of it watching it. But it's a little uninspiring the team uh, performance at the moment. 
What, what about the influence it had on Kurt Mann, okay? He's almost the forgotten man in this entire little episode. Kurt Mann's out injured as well. If the captain's saying, green light, let's go for a couple of drinks, mm. it's, it, it's having an impact on teammates. Do you think these, uh, these sort of situations, though, Dave, um, and I'm not here defending KP, but mm. just saying situations like this and it coming to light are the things that, you know, they help Jonathan Thurston become a leader. And I'm not going to name one or two other captains, but I know there's one or two other captains out there that were great leaders that have done as bad, if mm. not a lot worse, over the course of captaincy journeys, but there was no social media and yep. there was no... Well, people there were people photos and... Well, it. and there was no... All these different shows went on in the day and they were great captains. But there's a moment in a lot of people's career where they come up with an error and it's the defining moment for them to then go to the next level and, and I reckon this moment could be a great moment for KP if they use it well. Potentially. Potentially. I would have loved to have seen some character shown here by Kalen Ponga already, to be honest. I would have liked Kalen to come out and potentially one, one, one say, hey, flat, hand up already. Not a great look. I get it. Yep. Apologies, Knights fans. I should, I, should have, I should have been making better decisions at the point of which our, my team, our team, is playing. Is he not worried about what's going well, to happen then? Like the why wouldn't he have already asked? If, if his captaincy's in question, come out and say, one, mm. A, I'm not standing down, but I'm going to learn from this. To Brownie, yep. I'm going to learn from this. I'm going to, I'm going to, clearly, I need to understand what it takes to be a better leader or mm. actually stand down. Hey, I'm not up to this yet. I'm going to go away for a season or two. I'm going to learn and become a stronger captain. Give it to Jaden Braley to, to run the show. But I'll, be, I'll come back better and stronger, under, as, as Brownie said, working under Peter Parr, who's been through it all with Jonathan Thurston. Yeah, club and, club and management shouldn't have been coming out making excuses for him. You're absolutely right. That's 100% what I meant the first statement. It's like, like you know, he's not going to learn and develop as leader unless he's accountable for his own actions. And unfortunately, in this situation, to this point, they haven't made him be accountable for his actions and therefore he won't learn. So there needs to be some people uh, in management up there and whether it's teammates or in the hierarchy of the club that front him and say, mate, you know, you need to front up this. This is a situation that you need to address and the sooner you do it, the better it is we can move on. And if his dad is going to use the excuses, for example, the... Uh, that was ridiculous, Tony. And, and Kurt Mann holding his head... It's embarrassing. Was that was ridiculous. Yeah, it was a bit ridiculous. Uh, totally given ridiculous. Them that's, that's problematic uh, as well, if that's exactly what is Still a 26-year-old man. He, he is. Still a guy I mean, It's, it's that, a little like a, the tennis dads, isn't it? I mean, it, does yeah. his, is his father too much of an... He's a hands-on dad. Yeah. He's a hands-on yeah. dad. He is, but if you get to know Andre, Andre's actually... He's a good fella. Yeah. And I know people judge because he's the manager and all that, but... Um, when you know the history of, like, Kalen Pong is liked by all rugby league clubs and AFL clubs because he's a terrific athlete and he can play. And his dad's a protector. He lost his first... He's lost a son as a two-year-old child, you know, so he's got one son left. And I, I found Andre... Andre's not a, a hands-on dad from a point of view that wants the acknowledgement and wants to see his name in the paper. He's a father that's already lost a child that just wants to protect one because at the end of the day... He knows that people are trying to get the... They're not... Most people aren't in the best interest of KP. They're in the best interest of himself. Mm. And Andre's aware of that. So he wants to protect his son. Well, that's a terrific insight uh, to him. From Is it protecting him, though, Brownie, by covering up the way that he did with that sort of statement? Well, that's for that's for Andre and KP to decide. You know, it's not for it's not for me. Everyone's got their own methods of bringing up their own children. I'm I'm no expert. I can surely tell you that. But um, 
Yeah, we all live and learn from, from different situations, but I just know Andre, and I know he's not the type of person which people portray him to be, that's all. What, what about the other part of the equation with Newcastle itself and, and you know, that culture, the word that gets bandied about probably far too often around clubs? Uh, but with Bradman Best, uh, Anari, was it as well? Anari uh, Tuala, yeah. Tuala, who late for the bus, the uh, Clemmer situation. Uh, is there sort of... It, it, it speaks to the current leadership of the club. And the reason why Peter Parr's been brought in. The, the, the management style and leadership is dysfunctional. Yep. It completely is. Phil Gardner is an outstanding, successful businessman in clubland, leagues clubs, poker machines. But he does not... Series after series of events, coach after coach, assistant coaches, pathways managers, recruitment managers, high rotation of staff... There's one guy pulling the, the trigger on that every time, and that's the CEO, Phil Gardner, every time. And thankfully, they've now put Peter Parr involved, who should be promoted straight into CEO and get this, this club back on track. And they're already within, uh, you know, a week. Like Peter, Peter Parr was, um, you know, caned by a few people for coming too, down too hard on Bradman Best and Anari Tuala. Ridiculous. If they're going to put a line in the sand... Turning up late for the bus, has to, it has to start now. I don't think that would have happened if Parr wasn't there. There, there is a, there's a consistent reason. And the West Group, the influence of the West Group is, is by far, you know, undeniable. Yeah, the Knights are not where they are at this point in time without their involvement, but job done now. All right. Uh, so I much think, more we can get our teeth into. I think with the Knights too, just, uh, you know, I think some people misread just how much Mitchell Pearce meant to the Knights. Yeah. Like, Mitchell Pearce is an outstanding player and he helped change the fortunes of the club with KP. And, you know, the, the lesson for, you know, a, a lot of you know, a lot of clubs that are trying to grow, when you get an asset like Mitchell Pearce, and I'm not saying the Knights didn't do their best to resurrect that situation, but when Mitchell Pearce left and they didn't replace Mitchell Pearce, that was always going to put the coach and that in a much, much more difficult situation. doesn't matter what anyone says. He's a terrific club player and him not being there was always going to end in tears for the Knights this year, in my opinion. Yeah, well, it, tears, always, it has. What, what about that, Brownie? I mean, you know more than most. You're involved in that system up there and, and obviously Pong has been a, a big investment. But um, oh, do we need to go to a break, Tone? We <laughs> take this up after the break. Yeah, we can. I'm watching be, you get, get we, nervous there. I'm nervous because Brandon Smith is waiting uh, okay, for we'll, our call, so we do need right. to come back to him. Door, guys. We can come back, come back to him. There is plenty of time. We've got a couple of our hours to get share our teeth with, into it with later. you. Absolutely. The Roosters, uh, NRLW, 12 0 leaders over the Eels. 20 minutes to go in the first half. Saturday Scrum, thanks to King G Workwear. Triple M, Saturday Scrub for King G. Triple M rocks footy. So good to be with you, Tony Squires, Ryan Gurler, Dave Riccio, Nathan Brown, uh, the Storm 60, the Broncos 12. Uh, and what a great pleasure it is to welcome a man who had another terrific game for the Storm. Uh, every time he does, actually, he's one of those 100% men. I'm talking about Brandon Smith. G'day, mate. Congratulations. Hey, thank you very much. I appreciate the kind words. No, no, I've got plenty of them. I, in fact, rather than going though straight for the, the all the positives about how many of you had brilliant games in that 60-point uh, thrashing, I just want to start by saying Nelson Asafa Solomon's no-look flick pass over the sideline was one of the, <laughs> the great moments. Did he get a hurry-up afterwards? 
Oh, mate, when I, when I went back to the try line and huddled with the team, I, I really couldn't do anything but laugh. I was, uh, <laughs> I'd never witnessed something like that in my life. And, um, <laughs> yeah, I don't think Craig was too happy when I told him I was laughing when it happened. But... <laughs> well, hey, hey, Cheese, what's, what's been the turnaround? I mean, four weeks ago, Bellyache came out and said he, he wasn't sure he could help you guys find your form again and roll into the finals. And since that, you've won four in a row. Well, I think it's just, you know, getting that quality players back um, we've had a lot of injuries throughout the year and we're finally starting to get some of our players back and um, also the combinations between our edges are getting a lot better and Craig says he didn't help but really he's the mastermind behind the Munster fullback and and Nelson off for Solomona in the, the second row so I think he, he knows a bit about rugby league that far he looks like uh, he just actually, a little he actually, bit. Just a he little actually bit. looks like he's uh, he's enjoying it back there, Munster. It was he obviously it wasn't something that was planned, but now it looks like he's really sunk his teeth into the role. Yeah, well, I think the thing that stands out for Munster is he's just a competitor. So it doesn't really matter what if you put him at front row, he'd probably do a job. He's just uh, he's a competitor. But I think for him being at fullback, he's just he's fresh all the time. He's not having to tackle all these big blokes running at him. He's just always fresh out the back and then when he gets the ball he's you know he's more electric because he's because uh, he's got more gas in the tank uh, Brandon obviously you're heading off to the Roosters mate to, obviously to play hooker does it you know being in such a successful club and playing in plenty of grand finals does it worry you that much playing lock as opposed to hooker uh, not too much but it's uh, not my preferred position and the body takes a bit of a toll um, when you're you know 90 kilos in the lock roll and you get a bit sore after game so hooker's kind of a little bit better in that sense Are you hey, preserving Brandon, your career? Yeah, it shortens my career up a bit I reckon <laughs> hey, Brandon, I do that Dave... myself to be quite fair <laughs> <laughs> Dave Ricky, how are you Brandon? Um, we all know the headlines about Munster uh, will he stay, will he go uh, given that you're going the Chooks, do you even care? Uh, well, not really, no. <laughs> <laughs> what do you reckon? I, mean, he, I think I think for him, it's just about doing what's best for himself and his family and um, moving forward. So I think he'll make the right decision, but um, yeah, it's, it's a tough one. Now, are the boys playing a guessing game down there on what he'll do? Uh, not really. We try to stay away from all this talk um, going into the pointy end of the season, so... Got his yeah. focused head on, hasn't he? Yeah, yeah. He has. yeah. <laughs> a, lot, a lot of distractions. Yeah, all the media were at the airport today, which is unheard of for a Melbourne storm side. There you go. And in Melbourne, for, yeah, in Melbourne, that's right. And for you though, uh, st- in the starting side rather than coming off the bench, you enjoy that? Oh yeah, it, it doesn't really bother me. I mean, if I come off the bench, I'm playing against all um, their bench players, or I'm playing against their tired players. So. Um, that's a that's a positive, but um, I still see a lot of minutes coming off the bench anyway. So I don't really mind too much wherever um, wherever the team needs me is, is where I go and wherever Craig tells me it's pretty much where I go. So it, it's a bit of a mad scramble, cheese for the for the finals. I mean, everyone's uh, pushing hard for top four. Everyone's pushing hard for top eight. Um, do you watch any of the other games? And what do you think of some of these? These sides like the Roosters and like South Sydney who are sort of starting to build into a, a, a pretty nice back end of the season form. Yeah, well, I don't uh, normally watch too much footy outside of the, the opponents that we're going to be playing next week. So, um, yeah, I'll watch the Roosters game. 
Um, and that's about it. Uh, but yeah, there's definitely, you know, we, last week we were a possibility of finishing ninth still mm. if, um, you know, everything happened. So I think this comp's one of the, the best comps in, in, in the terms of, um, there's more teams going for the title, uh, than in last, well, the last six years pretty much. And, um, it's good for rugby league. I mean, the Broncos were good and, um, uh, they took a bit of a hit last night, and the Cowboys are absolutely flying, and and rabbits are flying in there as well. So um, it's good good to have healthy competition and um, going into the finals. Uh, Brandon, as you said, you come up against the Roosters, your your future club. Just give us a really quick recap on on that why uh, why the Roosters. What 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 impressed you about? heading to the Chooks next year for, for to take your career to uh, a new direction? Oh, just the ability to play um, hooker was just the number one. I mean, me and Harry are best mates, but we can't, um, we can't live in cohesion at the, at the Storm and, um, you know, because I want to play hooker. And um, basically, Trent Robinson gave me the word that I'd be the, the hooker, the number one hooker, and um, that was it. And then the, the ability that he has as a coach... Um, it's something that uh, turned me on. I don't want to. Uh, that's mm. probably not the right words, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But um, yeah, just the ability to be under another good coach of the game rather than um, you know taking a stab in the dark. So mm. um, yeah, it's, uh, that's that's probably the two main reasons. And and I, I know a lot of the boys, and I know they work hard and they got great systems. So um, yeah. Plus, they've always they've always got uh, a healthy salary cap. Uh, the, the, the roosters. <laughs> hey, hey, Chief, oh yeah, and I'm getting paid a motto. <laughs> uh, you've been in, you've been in plenty of sort of storm runs into the finals. Where do you? I mean, you still got some injuries. Hopefully, you get Kafusi back in the next couple of weeks. But Pappenhausen's not there. Smith's not there. Welsh isn't there. How, how do you? How do you think you're going to go in the finals? Are you confident with the group that you've got available that you can actually get the premiership and get it done? Yeah, well, um, we had a few things in defence to, you know, sort ourselves out. And um, injuries are injuries, so they're, they're things that we can't really control. Um, but we've got players that come in and fill the job. Tui Kamitamita, he's just come in. He, he can take Walsh's job and Munster takes Pap's job. So, um, yeah, we, we, I've got full trust in those boys to be able to um, bring us home. And um, whatever we do, we'll, we'll do it to the best of our ability. And, um, we'll give this comp a fair nudge, I reckon. Yes, and Ezra Mann had nightmares, I bet, about Nelson and Sof- Solomon <laughs> running, to, running towards him. It was annoying. Yeah, Everyone does. Yeah, lucky he was wearing maroon jocks. <laughs> <laughs> and on that note, as ever, uh, Brandon Smith, thanks so much for having a chat. We'll catch up with you very soon. Good luck for the rest of the season. All right, thanks for having me, guys. Have a good one. There See, he is. It's uh, clearly that... Having that hooker spot is so important. Harry Grant, we haven't even really mentioned him. He was absolutely it, brilliant last night. It, it's funny, Tone. They were talking, I think, um, on, on Channel 9 on, on the Thursday or the Friday. And what was it? Oh, the, the Rabbits-Panthers game. They were actually saying, um, who's this is a battle for the Australian number nine between Cook and Coriusau. And then <laughs> Harry Grant comes out and plays like that. So uh, I think he, th- he put his hat in the ring. Well yeah, and truly. Abso- absolutely. As a hooker, you love what he, you saw last night? Oh, Harry Grant's a super player. Super player. Yeah, there's some, you know, Harry Grant, obviously Appy Coruscant's, you know, two-time premiership winner um, who really had a big impact for New South Wales when he played there this year. you got, obviously, Brandon Smith, the Kiwi, who gives the Kiwis, obviously, a, a great sort of 
one seven six nine combination for the World Cup. It's the best Kiwi side I've seen for a long, long, yeah. long time. Yeah, so they're all terrific players. They are terrific players, uh, and it's a terrific show we have for you. Blake Solly from South Sydney will join us uh, very shortly. This is the Saturday Scrum. We do it thanks to King G. Triple M, Saturday Scrub for King G. Triple M rocks footy. Dave Rick, I, I turned around once. No, I'd be a terrible call. I turned around once and suddenly it's 12 all in this NRLW game. Mm. The, uh, Good contest. The Roosters and the Eels. The Roosters started off looking brilliant. Both the two first tries down that left hand side, the left hand edge, which yep. is uh, so classy. Uh, and right, but the Eels refusing to surrender. I think only the second season in this competition for the Eels, yep. the Roosters, of course, who won it last year. Surprisingly, really, given they only got in uh, when uh, I think at the back end, points-wise mm. on differential, into the finals. Who they beat in their grand final well, tone? Well, well, they beat Brisbane to get there. Gertz, is that what you want? And, to know? and who'd they play on the in the big dance? Ah, uh, team in red and white. Team in did red they? and white. Oh. They, they did beat the Dragons in the grand final. Let's see how those Dragons go. And uh, this year's competition once more. All right, well, look, we didn't wrap up entirely. We're talking about the, the drama that's going on at the Knights. And I rudely interrupted you, Ryan Girdle. If you wouldn't yeah. mind continuing. <laughs> no, I just, while we got Brownie on the stand, I was just going to yes, question. I mean, he was, he was a guy that was, has obviously been there of late and understands, you know, their salary cap and so forth. And we're speaking about Kalen and, and how... He probably needs a little bit of assistance on the field and in, on the training paddock to to change those standards and so forth. And what's their cap? What's their cap shape like, Brownie? Are, are they a chance of you know bringing someone of you know rep, representative quality to the organisation soon just to help them in some of those different areas? Oh, look, it's been over three since I've been there, Gerd. So I'm, I couldn't sort of honestly tell you how their cap situation is. But what I do know is is that Kalen uh, Ponga can play in you know. Apart from the grand final, the biggest game this year was the, the third origin. And when you put him around some elite players in key positions, lo and behold, he got me into the match. So uh, for KP to be the best he can be, obviously, yeah, there's things he's probably got to can work on himself going forward as he matures more and, and plays more. But at the end of the day, when you look at the elite players in our game, you know, they're playing with other elite players. So we watched Melbourne Storm last night. You've got exactly. Jerome Hughes, yeah. who's a sensational half. He's got two test hookers playing with him, and mm-hmm. he's got Cameron Munster. Cameron Munster, they're all operating together. At, at South last year, you had Damian Cook, who's origin, and Reynolds, who's played origin, won a grand final, to work with Katie Walker, who's played New South mm-hmm. Wales for Luttrell. So at the moment, you know, KP's sort of obviously Jaden Braley missing a lot of footy with injuries, been a bit of a setback for the night, so it hasn't hasn't had an experience dummy after play with, but mm. yeah, there needs to be a little bit more elite players in some key positions to help KP, because if it's KP by himself, obviously it makes it really difficult to have one real elite player, but all the best sides have got, you know, three or four elite players in key positions, the Panthers, you go through all of yep. those top top four or five sides, you know, they're, you're not talking about okay players or or solid players, you're talking about elite players and they need to somehow find a way to get some support for KP to help And and, New, and Newcastle fans would say to that, Brownie, that they all operate under the same salary cap and why is there such a void in some of those key positions at the Newcastle Knights and how can they turn that around? Yeah, well, when you look at the competition, you know, obviously, you know, a lot of the sides that aren't quite up at the that sort of top, top four or five teams level, six teams level, if you actually look at a lot of the rosters, yeah, you know, there is a gap in key players, and you know I watched the uh, the Warriors play uh, uh, South the other week. You know, and if you'd put 
Cameron Murray and Latrell Mitchell and Katie Walker, you lobbed them in the Warriors side, I bet it would have had a huge, huge impact, you know, because they're elite players. And at the moment, you know, the sides that have got three or four elite players playing sides who are trying to develop and trying to grow, it can be an extremely difficult task. And, you know, to go to your Panther side that won the Comp Girds, you had Luke Pritters who played test football. You had uh, Craig Gary played test football at halfback. You had Reese Westry who played Origin. At fullback, there's three key players to operate with Presto, who obviously played was an outstanding club player, you know, and and the, you need, you know, the, there's a lot of good coaches out there, but you know, I think Wayne Bennett said the best coach are the best recruiters, and you know, the the really good coaches are working with some really good players too, and don't be fooled by that. If you give, I reckon, if you give Justin Holbrook one or two of the top teams. He's down, you know, down second last at the moment. I reckon Justin Holbrook would be, you know, everyone would be singing his praises rather than giving him some stick. Brownie, in, uh, I'm pretty sure it was the last game of 2018 and then the first three games of 2019, Kalen Ponga played 5-8 for you. There is a lot of debate whether Kalen needs to move into that six jump, but to get his hands on the ball more, uh, be a, a, he's without doubt their biggest threat. Uh, if he's touching the ball more, clearly he's going to be a bigger threat. What's your thoughts? Can he make that transition? And is that where the Knights need to go to get more out of Kalen and and maybe pick up a cheaper fullback, as we've seen the likes of the Panthers actually do? They did it with Dylan Edwards, doing it at the Sharks with Will Kennedy. Is that where the Knights could go? Do you believe Kalen could make a good six? Oh, there's no doubt if Kalen Ponga wanted to be a good six, he'll be a good six because he's a very talented player and... And you can, you know, if you look at actually, if you look at a number of the good halves in our competition at the moment, if you look at Jerome Hughes, he was a fullback who's gone to halfback. If you look at Cameron Munster, was a fullback who went to 5'8". So there's actually... Hines, Moylan. Hines, Moylan. Yeah, they're, they're fullbacks that have gone to 5'8". And is Caelan Ponga as talented as any of those guys? He is as talented, yeah. But regardless of where you move him, he needs some supporting key positions. That's the key for him. And whether it's a whether he goes to six and you find a, a good one or whether he goes to one and you find somewhere in the halves where there's an elite player playing with him to help him. And that's what I said. You know, I think you know, the loss of Mitchell Pierce might have been underestimated by some people. Indeed. Well, it would be great to see them uh, performing a, a little better just because it's nice to watch that Newcastle fan base, which is so positive and so strong. Craves not only success, really. It craves effort from their team, uh, and it would be nice to see some of uh, their work rewarded, the guys who turn up and women who turn up every weekend. Mate, they are honestly uh, mate, one of the best supporter bases. I've been around a lot of clubs around a lot of years, and they're a wonderful support base. And rugby league itself, you want to you want to see Newcastle. You know, on a Sunday afternoon at 2 o'clock, the old days when... Joey Johns and Unreal. Robbie O'Davis. It's great. It's great for the game, yeah. It was great. It was great in the uh, the local local watering holes after the game as well. Well, that, they do that. They do that very well in Newcastle. My wife actually never said she'd drink as much when we lived up there. So. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it can have that effect. Yeah. Like that. No, oh, that wasn't the case that night. I went to your place. <laughs> Aaron Woods has just walked in. He will be part of the call team this afternoon. He will join us on the show as well. He'll be celebrating his two hundred and fiftieth NRL game. This is. Is the Saturday Scrum. The Triple M Saturday Scrum for King G. Triple M rocks footy. And round Tony Squires, Ryan Girdler, and time for this man. Doctor, doctor, give me the news. I got a bad case of loving. This has got it all. 
Dave Riccio. All right, let's get some mail. We were talking uh, about the Newcastle Knights. Uh, Nathan Brown earlier mentioned, mentioned Mitchell Pearce and how much he missed. Is there any kind of play for halfbacks? Where are we looking at? Here? Yeah, this is interesting uh, tone as far as the Newcastle Knights are concerned. There's um, uh, a play for Tyson Gamble at the Brisbane Broncos going on. Uh, picked up on this uh, over the past week. Uh, Tyson Gamble at the Broncos... Uh, asked management for a release uh, from his contract uh, and it's made its way down to Newcastle who are showing interest in Tyson. We know he's a uh, very much a, an energy player, yep. uh, plays with a lot of energy. Uh, I, think the, I think the decision would, would come as a surprise to Knights fans given all the focus has been on whether they'll pick up Luke Brooks. Personally, I don't believe they have the salary cap space at this point in time uh, to sign someone of that significance like Luke Brooks. Uh, which has led them down the path of a potential Tyson Gamble. It's certainly not a done deal, uh, but uh, the Knights uh, are certainly having a look at picking up. Tyson, he, he had been travelling along OK, hadn't he? I mean, uh, I think Reynolds was out for a while, and he was certainly in the picture in the halves in, in Brisbane. And kind of Ezra Mam has popped up and jumped out, hasn't he? Yeah, Ezra Mam looks, a, yeah, looks a real talent, doesn't he? Looks yeah. a real talent. Except when a soft Solomon is running. Yeah. <laughs> oh, but if, if you, when you watch the Storm play, like whether Nelson of soft Solomon is running the front row or in the middle of the field on the edge, he is a monster and he just terrorises anyone. Yeah, He's just a massive yep. human being. Uh, news for today's game? Yeah, look, um, we touched on it earlier and, and, and it is confirmation now that Mitchell Moses will play. Uh, it's a significant in, for, certainly for Parramatta. We know... We know um, how influential Mitchell is, but it's so timely, guys, given that they're playing the ball. The Bulldogs knocked them off earlier this year. Yep. This is a real danger game for the Blue and Golds. And the inclusion of Mitchell Moses, it is earlier than expected. He wasn't uh, tipped to return this round. It was to be next week. Uh, we saw we saw him here in at Triple M with the, the, the yep. plastic, heavy plastic guard across his hand only 10 days ago. Um, how do you how do you speed up your recovery on a broken bone? I mean, is he a quick healer? It's such a weird thing, isn't it? You can see, see some injuries. Jimmy you Graham, work better. You... Jimmy Graham flag. What was it? The red light. Oh, that's right. Did the little laser red light? Red laser thing. Yeah. Um, but no, look, it's a, clearly a big in for Parramatta and timely too, given we're, we're so close to the finals that Mitchell uh, and Dylan Brown uh, find their form. Now we also know, guys, that both those guys. Are, pre- are preparing to go to November 1 to the open market. They are yet to commit to Parramatta long-term. Uh, and at this stage, they haven't come to terms on a new deal and are preparing to test their worth come November 1. Mm. Both halves? Both, yes. It's significant. Okay. Uh, it's interesting, isn't it, Gerd? So in terms yeah. of him coming into uh, this game, Mitchell Moses, how key is that for you? Well, I mean, considering they didn't score a point last week, Parramatta, it was a pretty disappointing performance against uh, the Rabbits. So, um, yeah, and I, I think, you know, confidence is a big thing for Parramatta at this point as well. They haven't been um, – everyone's talking about they've been inconsistent, yeah, but they've had some really good wins of late of well, uh, as well. The Panthers' win was only three weeks ago. The Seagulls' win was a good one at, at Brookvale. And then, yeah, they, they sort of – their form got turned upside down last week in a disappointing performance uh, against a red-hot South Sydney side. So, yeah, for them – to get back on track, they need their full complement out there, and Mitchell's obviously a big part of that. All right, Dave, what else? Uh, yeah, look, just uh, one last one, guys. It's an interesting one because it's been the most topical talking point of the week, and that is the Newcastle Knights. Now, uh, there's been a whole heap of de- um, 
dialogue and debate around how the Newcastle Knights let so much of their rich nursery go. Uh, a heap of talent. You can go back to Latrell Mitchell if you want to, who wouldn't, couldn't even get a tracksuit and was keen to play for the Knights. Um, more recently, Tom Starling, Zach Hosking, um, Joey Tapine, Hudson Young, uh, uh, Stafford Tower. Enough said. The Knights know this is a major issue. They are about to appoint, I understand, Michael Dobson in the head of Pathways uh, role at the Newcastle Knights. It's considered one of the most significant appointments at this point in time for the Knights to get them back on track to ensure that not only do they target the best young nursery within their pool, uh, but are able to hold on to and develop as well. Michael Dobson, fans would know, uh, he's a former half of the Knights, but did his best work over in the UK Super League. It's my understanding that he'll be soon appointed into that role. It's a significant appointment for that footy club, given their current state. All right, Dave Riccio, uh, thank you so much. Uh, it is coming up well, just over an hour, an hour and nine minutes before kickoff. The Bulldogs and the Parramatta Eels. We will have it all right here for you on Triple M. Aaron Woods will be part of that call team. He will also join us in roughly half an hour. We chat about his 250th NRL game, which is tomorrow. Nathan Brown has been sitting here well all, all uh, afternoon. We've just had the the table sitting up on the computer in front of us, and it just makes great reading, doesn't it? It does. If you look at the, I was just saying to Dave, I fear if you look at the bottom four teams, that'd have to be the strongest bottom half of the eight I've seen for a long time. When you look, I've already gone on record to say what I think of the Roosters. Yep. You look at the the Rabbitohs now, Latrell's back and firing. Like yep. we're like, yeah, the Broncos. I know they got a bit of a touch up the other day, but you know they've they've still got a lot of good players, and and the Eels have. Have been thereabouts now for for three or four years, and and earlier in the year when they they beat Penrith and, and beat the Storm, people were tipping in to be a chance to break the premiership drought. So that's your that's your your bottom bottom four of the eight. So I reckon some of the teams that are in the top part of the eight, yeah, come week one of the semis, I think there'll be there'll be four desperate sides to win and get a week off because that. That second week will be juicy. Absolutely. In a couple of weeks, a great footy leading into the finals as well. Uh, just mouth-watering. Of course, you will hear it all here on uh, Triple M. Uh, the NRLW, the game is back on second half. The Roosters leading 18 points to 12. We'll get you to the break. Blake Sodder from the uh, South Sydney Rabbitohs will join us next. Welcome to the Triple M Saturday Scrub. Yes, indeed. Under an hour before kickoff here at Combank Stadium. The Parramatta Eels and the Bulldogs. Uh, now, already, my name's Tony Squires. Ryan Girdler is with me, Dave Riccio, and, of course, Nathan Brown. We spoke uh, on the show earlier. South Sydney, the defeat by Penrith, 26 points to 22. Uh, and we know that Jackson Barlow uh, had, as he would have admitted, uh, an ordinary game, some problem with his hands there. But the abuse on social media has been just absolutely appalling. We were wondering what the hell can be done about it. How do we stop these cowards from uh, getting online and from affecting people's lives? Well, Blake Solly, uh, the CEO of South Sydney, has been good enough to join us right here, right now. G'day, mate. Thanks so much for being part of the program. No, not a problem, Tony. Good to be on. I, I guess the most important question to ask you right now is how is Jackson? Uh, yeah, Jackson's good. I, I spoke with him this morning. Um, one of the great things about Jackson is that he's, he's a pretty resilient guy and he also um, takes things as they come and he, he's bounced back pretty well. I think um, obviously Thursday night and yesterday weren't, weren't great for him, but he's had a lot of support from the senior playing group and the coaches and other fans and members of the club. So um, he's, back on the, he's back on his feet again. How surprised or stroke angry were you with the reaction to that performance? 
Oh, surprised, obviously, um, very angry. But unfortunately, it's becoming a bit more commonplace in sport generally. I mean, we've had issues in the past, particularly with some of the abuse that Latrell has copped online um, before and, and spoken out against it and got the police involved where it was needed. Um, the NRL's integrity unit are also very good to work with in these situations. But I think given the events of the past few weeks and, and the continuing sort of focus on mental health in our game um, for Anyone watching that game to sort of abuse Jackson in the way that they did just shows a complete lack of regard for Jackson's mental health or any player's mental health, but also just common decency. Blake, you mentioned Latrell Mitchell um, taking it all the way to the New South Wales police uh, when he was targeted by online um, cowards. Where will this one lead? Are you in contact with the NRL Integrity Unit and the New South Wales police, and where will this lead for Jackson? Yeah, I think Jackson and his manager spoke with the integrity unit yesterday, so they're working with the police and they'll do some investigating and if needs be, I think Jackson and um, the club will take it further if, if the police believe that they can sometimes, unfortunately, in these cases. The cowards are using um, aliases and, and, and burner accounts to abuse people and it can be hard to track down, but I, I'll give the police and the integrity unit their credit. They do everything they can to track them down. Um, but for us, I think the most important thing for Latrell or for Jackson or for the club is to call it out when it happens and make it public. And I think ideally by um, raising it publicly, it makes people think twice before they do it again. Mm. Not a lot of people know, but the South Sydney uh, social media accounts uh, basically shut down the comment section uh, to protect uh, any ongoing abuse. If the South Sydney club were able to track down the actual offenders of this and were, were able to do their own investigation and find out who the actual f- so-called fans were, Blake, would you go as far as to look into their, that background of that individual and potentially cancel memberships or refuse them uh, any ongoing involvement with the, with the South Sydney Rabbitohs? Yeah, absolutely, because in, in our mind, and certainly when you speak to some of the fans and members who've contacted the club in the last 24 hours to support Jackson and the club, these people who do this aren't real fans and members anyway. Um, like you guys have said, they're, they're cowards. They're hiding behind a phone or an Instagram account to abuse people, and that's not something that our club will tolerate. I don't think it's anything that any other club or the sport should tolerate, so, of course, we take the strongest possible action. Are you aware of uh, NRL CEO Andrew Abdo has been in contact with Jackson and or the club? or Because I know how serious he treats this uh, cowardly behaviour. Yeah, I don't know if, if Andrew has um, contacted Jackson. And to be fair, this, this, Andrew's had a fairly big week and he's yeah. got a lot on himself, so I wouldn't expect him to. But you're right, the NRL, Andrew, Peter, everyone there um, from the top down have been fantastic in these sorts of instances before. Um, they understand that it's not something that the game should tolerate. It's not something they tolerate and they've supported the club entirely when we brought these issues to them before. So, no, I, I couldn't fault Andrew or Peter for the way in which they respond to these sorts of situations. They're 100% behind the players and the club. Hi, Blake. It's Nathan Brown, mate. There you go. Yeah, good, Brownie. How are you? Yeah, good, mate. How's me mate LA going? The Gold Coast drinking partner. Is he all right? He's pretty good, yeah. yeah. He's in uh, he's in Melbourne visiting uh, his daughter who's working and living down there. So I'm sure he'll be having a, a sneaky beer at some point. But, uh, um, yeah, it was good to good to catch up on the Gold Coast last year during that final series. Uh, mate, what about on the recruitment front, mate? Um, obviously, uh, the club's in a situation where they couldn't offer Adam Reynolds a longer-term deal. Um, do you see Katie and Latrell staying around longer term? Oh, yeah, we'd love them to. And certainly um, the conversations we're having with their management um, 
are going well. So hopefully we can lock them down in the next few weeks and months, certainly before 1 November. But, yeah, we it was really difficult, the decisions that we had to, to make on Adam and, and to an extent Dane and Jaden as well, who were really valued members of the squad last year. We love having them, but you can't keep everyone in a salary cap environment in some ways. The decisions that were tough that we made last year have given us a, a better chance of keeping Latrell and Cody and Damien long-term as well. And a, and a couple of wins of late take a little bit of heat out of that. I haven't heard uh, a lot of comments about Adam Reynolds and him, his departure over the last six or eight week, weeks, mate, as the boys have been on a really pretty, pretty good run. Yeah, I think um, there's a couple of things. Obviously, winning games helps, but also people are probably recognising the talent of Lachlan Ilias and... Um, Whilst we wanted to keep Adam this year, we'll kind of take it one year by year, but we couldn't have done too much more because Lachlan is a first grader, no doubt about it. He'll play 150, 200 first grade games. And at some point, we had to give him his opportunity to wear that seven jersey just as we did with Adam 10 or 15 years ago. So that's, the, I suppose, that's the unfortunate nature of sport. Nothing lasts forever. And as much as Adam and as valued as Adam was to our club, um, there's always a, a young player who deserves an opportunity and and Lockie has taken that and I think proven himself to be a first grader and will continue to do so over the next few weeks and months. Now, Blake, uh, where's home for you next year? Are you playing out of a core stadium, formerly ANZ Stadium, formerly Sydney Olympic Park, or, or the new Allianz? Where are Bunnies fans heading to next year? Uh, I'd love to be able to give him an answer today. We had a really good meeting with the Minister on uh, Wednesday, which was great. Good to get a... Uh, a direct line to him and have a conversation. We were pretty honest about what we thought. The government saved $800 million in not upgrading a core stadium. We love the stadium. We'd love that to be our home. But at the same time, our fans and members deserve the best. And it looks like the best experience for any fan or member of any club in Sydney is going to be at Allianz from now. So we just want our fans and members to be treated the same way as other Clubs are. Um, he was. He understood that. He just. He was pretty adamant that whatever happens, it can't cost the taxpayer of New South Wales uh, any more money. And and we also understand that, um, given the challenges they've got. So, he's going to come back to us with some information, and hopefully, we can make an informed decision as soon as possible. All right. Well, just in the circular nature of these things, I want to swing back just finally to uh, uh, Jackson Barlow. I and mean, people, I think, need to know that uh, the rugby league players. Uh, it's not as if they're not tough human beings. Physically, they have to do that, but they'll also cop abuse. So, you know, in the stands, we talked about it earlier, people booing and doing, and they've got every right to do that kind of stuff. It's just when it goes that extra mile that it must, as you said, be called out. Exactly. If I think everyone understands you, you pay your money to buy your ticket in the stand and watch or your membership and you're passionate about your club and what happens, we get that. But when it steps across the line and becomes personal or threatening or abusive or racial in nature, that's unacceptable and we'll call it out. We'll continue to try and stop it and hopefully the game and the people who, the decent people in the game call it out as well and make sure that over time we can stop it happening and, and we can just have a respectful level of debate and discussion and follow our teams with the passion that they deserve to be followed. You mentioned Latrell earlier, Blake, and Latrell's a real leader within that South Sydney environment. How big will he, how influential will he be for throwing an arm around Jackson through this scenario? Oh, he, he'll be really influential, and um, so will the senior players, the coaching staff, the board. Everyone's put their arm around Jackson, but you're absolutely right. And in some ways, I think the fact that Jackson felt he could bring this up is largely because of what Latrell's been doing for two years now, where he's yep. called yep. it out. And players actually feel confident to either go to the police or go to the authorities or even fire back sometimes on Instagram and call people out who are doing, I don't know, Alex Johnson and Hostie did the same thing over the last 24 hours. So in some ways, Latrell led the way for all players and it's great that they're following and feel comfortable bringing this stuff to the public attention, to our attention. Yeah, indeed. Well, well done you, Blake Solly, and thanks so much for joining us on the show. Really appreciate it.
No, thanks, guys, and have a great afternoon. There is the CEO of the South Sydney Rabbitohs, Blake Soley. This is the Saturday Scrum. Yes, Dave? I just think South Sydney are in good hands. Yep. So, yeah. We, we, we've spoken today about management and leadership. There's a quality leader. That's why, that's why successful clubs are successful from the top to the bottom. It's, it run, leadership starts from at the very top and South Sydney are in good hands. And do we have Gold Coast stories or not Nathan Brown? <laughs> No, well, I, 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 I like what the Coast have done. They've stuck with their coach, and they've bought him some experienced players in keepers. He was talking about, about being the on the drink with Elmo's. Oh, that one. Oh, oh. oh that was, yeah, no, he's a great be... follower. Right? We used to catch up with a Sunday arm with him and Blake and have a couple of quiet beers. Yeah, it was good. That's a bit I, of a laugh. That's what I wanted to hear. Uh, and, and thank you to Aaron Woods for bringing us the coffee. That's a yeah, good follower, Woodsy. Good if, fella if there's Woodsy. anyone looking for a good front row with yeah. experience, Woodsy could be on the market. <laughs> he could. It's he, just... he can afford it. Saturday Scrum. Thanks to King G Workwear. Triple M, Saturday Scrub for King G. Triple M rocks footy. Ryan Girdler, Dave Riccio, Nathan Brown. My name is Tony Squires, and it is time for this. When I say this, I mean <laughs> this. <laughs> oh, that is the oh. shortest opener oh, we've wow. ever had. We've oh. entered that into the Guinness Book of Records for outstanding yeah. openers. It just goes, mm-hmm. It is, in fact, <laughs> <laughs> believe it or not, believe it or not, that was a mistake. Uh, uh, what we is do have now is... I'm issue, put a, no, exactly. <laughs> I'll throw a couple of ideas at you. You just have to tell me whether you believe it or not and why. Number one, obviously, off the big news of this week is that Sydney does indeed have the NRL Grand Final this year. This year. But it may well go to the highest bidder from now on. Believe it or not, the NRL should indeed implement a Super Bowl-style concept with the Grand Final venue, Nathan Brown. Um, if it brings more money for the game, anything that develops more revenue, I think, is great for the game. Great for not only the clubs but the grassroots footy. So I'm, I'm a, I'm You're a yes. Board. I'm a yes. If You're it, a believer. If, You're so modern. If it develops, if it, if it, if it brings good finance and it uh, brings enjoyment, I think it's a great idea. What about the tradition of the game? You know, St George, South Sydney, all those years ago, it was all about coming to Sydney for the grand final. Well, why don't we play at the old cricket ground with the cricket pitch in the middle where it's as hard <laughs> as a rock then? Well, oh, damn, I had to be illogical. Well, the, to your, there will be drama. If it's, yeah. if it's a St George Illawarra South Sydney grand final in Melbourne or Brisbane... What about the weekend away though? Like There's in, a drama in, in England, right? You got you got when you get the Challenge Cup. You yep. got your two main comps. And the Challenge Cup is as big as the comp. So if you win one of them, your fans are happy, and some fans would rather the Challenge Cup than the Grand Final. Mm. Some fans would, but at the start of the year, the tickets go on sale, and all the fans, heaps of fans, like buy tickets for in Wembley hope. in hope their yep. team's going to be there. Yep, and they have a great weekend away, and then obviously. When the game comes and you know he's in it, obviously there's a lot more tickets go on sale. But but it's a it's not only a great uh, a great game for the two fans that are in it. All the other fans get to go. And like when you go down Wembley Way and you go into the Challenge Cup final, you might see the Castlewood fans all on the drink singing their song, and they're not playing. And then the next group of fans, Wigan fans, singing their song, and it might be St Helens playing Catlin Dragons in the final. So yeah. these things uh, can that, have. A, that, that's true. But that's in a country where that sport is universally loved everywhere. I mean, in, in the United States, where every city wants it, and all the people and, and the, the punters uh, love the game. How many people did we get to the origin at uh, Perth? In Perth? Absolutely, I know. How many I, people have we had at the origins in Melbourne? Yeah, so we got. What are we going again? Perth, we're going to Adelaide, Brisbane, yeah. Sydney. And I think it's a great That's, thing. So I think it's a great thing. No, the money's there. I like it. Traditionalist. Come on. Okay. Yeah. Uh, 
That's no, it. No, look, I was, about, <laughs> I was about to make that that point about the AFL. Like, they, they, they. One thing I do like about the AFL is they respect tradition. And the MCG on grand final day. And don't even start me on afternoon grand finals. I love the afternoon but grand finals. Bring that. Yep. Peter Landy's loves turning back the clock. Uh, I'm just true. waiting for him to turn back the clock on the afternoon grand Sunday after three o'clock's the best time, isn't oh, it? Best time for please. sure. Please. Yeah. Unless some other time makes more money for the NRL, Nathan. I Brown. agree with that yeah, too. Exactly. I'm with you there. Right. I won't argue with you there. Believe it or not, uh, Ryan Girdler. Um, what was the question, Tony? I mean, the NRL should ago. implement <laughs> should implement a um, Super Bowl concept with the grand final. Yeah, yeah I, I believe it. I'm with Brownie a little bit on this one. I, I don't mind a little bit of progress and those weekends away, and it becomes a real event then. And, and I think it gives you opportunity for the locals, um, you know, who can get there and support the game. And, and it, it's it's more of an, an event, isn't it, than uh, you know, for people in Sydney that you know get to go to the footy every week. So if you what give, are you, you know, talking 50%, about? It's a weekend away for me to the, go to Homebush if, if you, for the if, grand final. <laughs> 50% of the tickets to the locals, 50 to, you know, people that want to go and support their club if they happen to make it, and then they, and they can afford to go for a weekend away and um, use it as a, a little, um, yeah, a little getaway. I think that's um, plenty you know, of that's motivation. that's not a bad there, point, Gertz. I like it. Gertz, you, you raise a really good point. If they actually do go on the road, maybe it has to be a ticket um, allocation scenario for the two clubs uh, in the grand final, that they actually get a, a greater share of the ticket allocation than just opening it up to every every Joe Blow, go, go and get a ticket. Gerger's point's a good one. If they are to take it on the road, make sure that South fans get a good crack at getting a GF ticket in Brisbane. Yeah, well, yeah, exactly. As soon as you know that there's going to be the result, you can do that. Clubs need to, believe it or not, clubs need to be fined for resting players leading up to finals. I disagree with that. I think it's up to the, uh, the the head coach and his staff to decide where they need their players or where they're at and what's in their best interest and what's in the best interest of them, obviously, get them the, getting the ultimate prize and winning. What about the fan turning up and what, so you want to see their heroes run around on that last game before the final? Yeah, that's all good and well, be, but at the end of the day, the fans want to see their team in the grand final and the head coach and his staff are in a position to... I suppose of uh, they're not guessing or throwing darts. They're actually making an educated decision on why Cameron Munster might need a week off at the back end of the year, or if Penrith's going to be minor premiers, which are. You know, Ivan Cleary can make a decision if Liam Martin and Billy Kickow and Dylan Edwards are all carrying mm. some bumps rather than play with needles for the next week. They can have the week off and freshen up, and I just don't see that as an issue. Do you, Gerds, do you believe it or not? The clubs need to be fined for resting players no. leading up to finals? No, look, I don't believe it. I, you know, if that example of Cam Munson, they're playing the Gold Coast in the last round and they choose to rest him, um, and some of the Gold Coast fans are unhappy that they don't get to see him there as opposed to, you know, him missing a prelim final because he's, you know, injured or whatever it may be or it's taken his toll on his body uh, and he's not in great form for the finals and the whole of the NRL then are punished. So, yeah, I believe that um, it's in the best interest of the game, actually, to let the coaches and the uh, and the staff there that are around these players make educated decisions on what's best for that player to get the best out of him in the main games throughout the year and they are the finals. I guess it, uh, the AFL had a problem a few years ago. It might have been Frio, I think, and they rested just the bulk of their team before the finals. And the AFL then kind of answered that, I guess, by having this the last – there's a buy round for everybody between the season proper and the final. Mm. That was the way they kind of got around it. Uh, do you believe it or not? No, I'm, I'm fine with it. Yeah? Yeah. I, the Panthers will absolutely rest players in that final round against the Cowboys to the point where I believe the Cowboys are now safe in second spot. 
because mm. I'm, I'm – It'll be a reserve grade Panthers. It really will. I'm pretty confident of it. The only one that might return and get some uh, get some K's under his legs is Jerome Luai. Wouldn't Nathan Clear? Oh, he can't. He, he? No, he's Cleary's out week. suspended until yeah. week one of the finals. But Luai, I expect to be back for the final round and and have a hit out. But uh, aside from that, I've got no problem with it. Ultimately, fans want to win the premiership. Clubs want to win the premiership, and if you, that gives you the best chance to do it, so be it. Believe it or not, Cameron Munster is worth $1.5 million a year, Ryan Girdler. Um, yeah, look, I don't, I don't, I don't probably he's not, not there. I mean, if you pay $1.5 million for someone at this point in time, I mean, he's, he's going to have to carry a lot of the weight of the, uh, of the team on his shoulders, and I don't believe any player is probably worth that at this point. So uh, I, I think he's definitely a million-dollar man, and um, I, I know Melbourne are, are probably low-balling him at the moment, and they need to find a way. I, I believe if Melbourne don't uh, move their cap around and manipulate it so that they can pay for Munster, and I know that they've obviously got Pappenhausen and they've got some Jerome Hughes and they've got Harry Grant, they've got all those key men there, and I think um, I think Braithen Astor said through the week that they'd prioritise some of those guys over Cam Munster, but uh, Cam's had a year that um, I don't think anyone can deny and his value's definitely gone up. So I, I think they just need to find a way to keep him. But he's a million-dollar man. One and a half, I think, Tone's probably just a little bit too much for anyone at this point. Brownie? Um, look, it's a lot of money. There's a, definitely an element what Gerds is saying that I agree with, but it probably depends where he goes and who he plays with. And if, say, if the Dolphins were going to go to that level, if you look, he's going to be... Say if he was partnered with young Sean O'Sullivan, Sean he's playing some outstanding footy. If Sean's getting say three hundred thousand and Cameron's getting one point five, well your two halves are getting one point eight. So, and that's the way it works sometimes. You know what someone's worth to some organisation is different to others because of the balance of your cap and the balance of your situation. So, you know the Dolphins have obviously made a huge play for him, um, and you know the balance of the cap, who he's playing with, and what they might be paying other people. It's, sometimes it's he's, hard to argue. He's worth 1.5 to Newcastle. You know, then that's the, that's the situation, to Brownie's point. It's what a club is willing to pay. And, the, you know, someone like the Knights would need to go that far, and then someone like the Roosters wouldn't have to, would they? That's, you know? Correct, yeah, because they've already got the elite players, haven't yep. they? You know? so, and it's a, it is a lot of money, but if he's playing great footy, and as I said, you've got the people around him, some of them aren't on... Big yep. marquee money. Well, your cap can balance out. Yeah, right. that's the decision, isn't it, Brownie? I mean, if you pay someone like that one and a half million dollars, uh, it's it's kind of like the Ben Hunt situation of you know four or five years ago with the Dragons. You, you can't build a squad around him that's good enough to compete. So you can have a good player. But if you look at all the other sides, the guys that the sides that we talk about on a regular basis, you know they've either developed players or bought players through to a certain level where they keep their cap in order. You start paying 1.5 as a team that needs talent, and you don't put the people around them, uh, and you can't bring other people in. Well, then you just you, you got a good player, but you're not going to compete and make finals. All right, uh, a man who I think deserves $1.5 million. I'm not sure that's exactly what he's getting, but he's uh, playing his 250th game for the Dragons uh, tomorrow. Aaron Woods joins us next. The Triple M Saturday Scrub for King G. Triple M rocks footy. Eight and a half minutes to go in the NRLW clash between the Roosters and the Eels. Eastern suburbs, the Roosters, Sydney Roosters lead 38 
points to 16. Tony Squires, Dave Riccio, Nathan Brown uh, with you. And Dave Riccio, there's, there's a sort of etiquette about the, the food you eat in, in the... Here we are at Combank Stadium. Some people put certain bits of food away. What, what, what have you just gotten up to then? Oh, that's just a nice salad in the fridge. That's mm. all. So I thought I'd... Mm. Not your salad? Well, I didn't... Wasn't aware of that at the time. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. Mate, I saw Woods into the party pies, so I followed him in. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Big on the party pies. Aaron Woods is the other voice you're about to hear. Congratulations in advance, 250 games. How are you, big fella? Going good, mate. Going good. We had uh, captain's run earlier today, and, mm-hmm. yeah, come out here to call the footy to uh, And how are you feeling about 250? Yeah, feeling a bit older. Um, look, it was, I only feel like yesterday I was debuting against the Bulldogs when I was playing for the Tigers, and... It's just, it's just going on real quick. Um, I can't believe how, how many games I've played and, you know, the clubs I've played for as well. And just, mate, I was happy with one game. I, I was a massive rugby league fan as a kid growing up. And like I said, to play one game was absolutely amazing. To play 250, it's, if you had told me that at the start of my career, I would have would have just been uh, amazed. What about Woodsy? 250 games, but 18 tests and 14 origins. Because you haven't played rep for the past few years, people forget what you actually achieved that level. As a young bloke growing up, could you imagine playing 18 tests or 14 origins? No, nah, not at all, bro. I remember just sitting at home, you know, Wednesday nights watching the origins and just, it's just a dream. It was a dream come true to, to be able to play. Um, you know, I got to win one series and it was against, uh, obviously, a star-studded Queensland side and, you know, they had... I think it was Billy Slater, Cameron Smith, G.I., Justin Hodges, all the blokes, you know, future immortals in that side. And, um, look, it was disappointing not to get a few more after once they left. But um, <laughs> it's, it's good to see the Blues go on a bit of a winning streak, you know, getting a couple of series. Obviously, Queensland won this year, but it was disappointing. But just to represent, you know, your country and, and your state was just, it's, it's a remarkable achievement and I'm really happy to be able to do that. Best player you played with at rep level? Best player at rep level? It's, oh, mate, I played with so many players. Um... Just depends what you're looking for. Obviously, if you're going to have someone all around it, you'd have to say Cameron Smith. Um, you know, he played every single one of my test matches. He didn't miss many while he was there. And he's just like having a, a coach on the field. And, and just the way he spoke to players, he knew how to get the best out of them. Um, he's just and, and just things he'd do in a game, just the, the moments he'd pick. And he was just always on the money. You'd never see him do too many bad decisions. What about the uh, when you're looking across, when you're packing down in the scrum, the face you'd least like to see over 250 games? Oh, there's a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Um, probably least like to see. You know, as a young fella, you used to always get, you know, get the, get angry with blokes like Sam Thiday in Origin because they'd always give it to us and, you know, he'd always be third man in, pushing blokes. But um, honestly, when you meet him, they're actually champion people, same as blokes like Will Chambers, Dane Gay Guy, Josh Maguire. You know, I used to couldn't stand those blokes before I met them, and then when you finally meet them, it hurts you so much because they're such good blokes. I don't care how nice they are. I'm just <laughs> talking about the bloke that you look, you're in, in a scrum, you're about to clash heads, you don't want him to be there. Not because you don't like him, but because the size... The, Probably Clemmer. Have you seen Clemmer? the size of his head? Yeah. Or, or, <laughs> even George Burgess. We had training the other day. He grabbed Zach Lomax's hat, and on the, you know, the clips at the back, yeah, yeah. he was at the furthest one. It was still stretching. So <laughs> you wouldn't want to go up against that big melon. <laughs> Have you decided who's going to hand your jersey out? Are you 250? Because it's always a special moment, um, a milestone jersey. Have you decided that? Are you keeping it secret? What are you thinking? Um, I've spoken to a couple of people at the club. Obviously, it's a bit hard. There's other blokes that I've played with. Uh, you know, they've got to play on that day. But I think, um, you know, talking to people at the club, I think they're going to get my, my little fella maybe to do it. Yeah, well. So, um, How yeah, old is he now? He's three years old. Three um, years old. 
Yeah, he, presenting daddy's. I'm, I'm actually his second favourite player, so um, that's, that's not <laughs> Who's good. Who's his favourite? Uh, Ronaldo Mulatano. <laughs> <laughs> and he's a winger too. It's the, even kid, worse. the kids love those exciting oh, plays. Mate, they well, love he scores them. tries and yeah. pumps up his chest. Uh, yeah. Buster just wants to be like him. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Filthy. What about the Dragons then? Obviously, in this game, it has significance for you, the 250th, and for those players around you. It would be great if it was also had significance in terms of getting into the eight. Yeah, definitely. We sort of lost our opportunity the last couple of weeks, you know, losing to the um, Cowboys, the Sharks, and obviously the Raiders last week. And, you know, we've been there, thereabouts. We just haven't been able to execute well, you know, the back end of the games and, and just get the icing on the cake there. So uh, for us, it's just about finishing the season well. You know, we've got Titans tomorrow. We've got Tigers the week after and Broncos who are, are still a chance of, you know, I don't know if they're a chance of top four now, but they're still in, you know, in the eight. So for us, it's just finishing strong playing the footy we can and, and just moving forward. And, you know, we don't want to lose three in a row. We want to go and win three three in a row to finish our season. There's been a lot of noise about uh, young Jaden Sullivan and and the young fullback who we haven't seen a lot of footy this year. Where are they at, Woodsy? Are they, are they blokes that are 12 months away? Are they near to playing a couple of games? Or where do you see him at? Yeah, look, Bud, I think Bud's going to get a run tomorrow. Um, he's a really good, exciting young player. He was actually playing pretty consistent for us there for a while, but then picked up a, a pretty serious hamstring injury. So he had to miss a couple of weeks, and he sort of had to fight his way back in, you know, get some good form back for reserve grade. And he's one of those type of players that's got a really good X factor. Um, you know, his position, I'm not sure at the moment. He, he can sort of play hooker, half or 5'8". And, you know, as a kid, I think you just got to be thrown out there and learn. You know, you need to get that experience in, in different situations. And, you know, I think he's going to be a very handy player for us, um, especially with, you know, the likes of Junior Ramon. And then young Sloan. Sloan's a, a kid that he's one of those young kids that they do things other players can't do. And um, he's just got to learn to pick his moments in games and, you know, read the footy well. And, you know, he sort of reminds me a little bit of a – probably not as, as strong as Tedesco physically, but they just pop up at the right time, right place. And um, the one thing that Tedesco did real hard when he was young was getting numbers right, defensive systems. And that's what the Dragons want those blokes to do, and especially Sloan. So uh, there is a big future for him, but he's just got to keep working hard in his game. I enjoyed uh, Brent Reed's story about you and your 250th uh, game and that career and the fact that you are, as, as Brand has described you and other players, as a, a footy head, someone who loves watching yep. footy, getting into it, and that, that's exactly what you do. You watch every game, whether it be the NRLW, whether it be the New South Wales Cup, or the mob of blokes playing over the fence behind your house. Yeah, exactly. I just love footy. Um, you know, from a young age, I, I grew up, in, obviously, in Leichhardt. And, uh, my local club was Leichhardt Juniors, and... I remember I was when I wasn't playing, I was ball boy for the boys that are older from me. Um, they're still playing now. A lot of them, that when I was their ball boy, and they're playing A grade at the moment. Um, and I still, still keep in contact with them. And, you know, they, I spoke to them the other day, and they were wishing me luck. And I just, you know, said thanks for them. Like, that's a bit of inspiration. When I was a young bloke, I just wanted to be like you guys. And um, I was lucky enough to just keep playing footy. I, I got a scholarship, a Holocaust ride to... For rugby league, and I've just always been in, in and about, you know, especially at Lockhart Oval. They used to play Jersey Flag and, and reserve grades on Friday night. I used to walk up and watch them, and it's just something that's been bred in my family. We've always loved footy. Uh, my mum's a big fan. My sister's a big fan. So, you know, I, I credit a lot to them, and um, probably become a lot of punish to a lot of my teammates because in the sheds I tend to watch footy as, as long as I can until I've got to take the phone away. So, um, and all the boys know I love it. They always take the mickey out of me. Uh, I love it. It is a perfect afternoon for rugby league, crowd building nicely. Um, we have Aaron Woods here with us and Nathan Brown, obviously. Dave Rick and my name is Tony Squires. Just before we get to this game, Woodsy, what did you make of a 60-12 point thrashing from the Storm? I thought they were incredible. Um, and even you look at the try that Brisbane scored, it was pretty much gifted to them from the flick part from yeah. Solomona and then pushed back in from Coates. But 
I really like what they're doing with, with Solomona, putting him on the edge, you know, isolating him with little fellas, and, and just so much happens around him. But then I think the, you know, the acquisition of David Nofaluma out wide, um, you know, they lacked a couple of outside backs early on, and just his finishing and, and his set starts for play ones. And I just, and also seeing Cameron Munster at fullback with so much time on his hand, and it's just, I think he's the best player in the game at the moment. And just to see the way he's playing, you've got Harry Grant that just picks the ball up and runs, and Cameron Munster's right behind him, and the forwards are laying a platform for him now. So I would hate to be playing them come semi final time. An impressive unit, absolutely. All right, what about this game today? As we said, Canterbury uh, got up over the Eels earlier in the season. Obviously, a, a shock result that. Uh, a couple of weeks to go, Nathan Brown. Can they lift again? Can they do any damage to this Eels side? Oh, look, you'd, you'd, you'd like to think on the back of last week's and where the Eels sit on the table and what they're playing for, um, you would imagine that on paper and uh, that the Eels would bounce back today. Mitchell Moses is coming back into the team and they'd like to get their form going nice and strong and probably consistent going into the back part of the year. But, you know, as the dogs have shown, you know, in the past sort of six or eight weeks, you know, probably apart from last week, they've, you know, they've beat some very good teams and challenged some very good teams. And, you know, last week was probably the least experienced side they've put out for a long time. So with the addition of Thompson and Tavita Pengai back in the, back in the pack, you know, I'm sure they'll fancy themselves to have a go. But if you, if you have in your last... If you're having your last hundred dollars, you'd have to you'd have to think the eels would be successful. That wouldn't be gambling responsibly. <laughs> no, it wouldn't be. No. no. <laughs> so if you've got a hundred left, you yeah. can have five on them. Exactly. There, so it's responsible. Just some team news. Uh, look, Murata Niakore is going to start the game, and Ryan Madison's going back to the bench. We know that Mitchell Moses is coming back. Um, he's got that broken finger. If you look close enough, Tone, if your yeah. eyes are, yeah, that's really If your eyes have it. still yep. got it, so um, bandaged up. Yeah, you can see that. You see that finger strapped. Pretty significantly. Yep. Uh, that's uh, look, good news. He's playing. As I said, Neokoro is going to start. Madison back to the bench. For the Dogs, two big ins. Tavita Pangai Jr. Uh, moves into the starting side. He was originally named in the reserves. Uh, and Harrison Edwards will go back to the bench. And the big one is the, uh, the Englishman, Luke Thompson. He's back for the first time in three months. Hasn't played since round 12. Been back home. His mum was crook, so yep. he spent some time yep. there. Yep. Uh, Jackson Topine and Chris Patolo are the two players out of the Dogs side. All right. Ten seconds, who wins? Para by 13. Para by 13. Would you stand on Mitchell Moses' finger? Every day of the week. (laughs) (laughs) Nathan Brown, thank you so much for your efforts, David Riccio, and you as well. Triple M rocks the footy. Thanks to McDonald's. Triple M rocks footy. Triple M rocks the NRL 24-7 through the Triple M app. Thanks to Ream. Steady, hot and strong. Install a Ream.